Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, September 11th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say, Yo. Mr. Bob Ryer, Howdy. and joining us for the first time on Talking Comics, Talking Comics contributor, Sean Lamont. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, sir. How are you guys today? Doing pretty, pretty well. Good. Pretty well, pretty well. Um, Stephanie is out sick with the con crud. She was at Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, this past week, and she did not get out all right, unscathed. Um, though she got to go to the Harvey Awards, um, and she live-tweeted that, so if you guys follow her on Twitter, you saw that. And apparently Bill told Joe Hill that Stephanie was stalking him. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> in front of everybody in the crowd. So, uh, And then Joe Hill like mentioned something about it when he did his speech when he got his award. Oh my god. So, thought that was pretty funny. Um, but I hope Stephanie feels better, uh, but the show must go on. I gotta say, it's only been a week since we podcasted, but I feel like it's been a long time. I, I don't feel know. that way too. Today I was like, we haven't podcasted in a while, and then I realized it was just last week. It was a big week. There Maybe was a lot of it. news. I felt like I was talking about this stuff all week. Well, you, I mean, you do the morning show, so, yeah. you know, you're nonstop. It's true. It is nonstop. And plus, I did, I do have that other, the Man Cave podcast, so I'm constantly talking into a microphone over and over and over again. You totally have to post that picture of you in-game of the, the football player. Oh, God, yeah. So, I got Madden uh, 25, um, and... EA has has had this feature called Game Face for a number of years, and what it is is um, you go onto their website and you take pictures of yourself in a couple of poses, and then it asks you to kind of uh, put these these, like, these markers to basically go, this is where my mouth is, this is where my eyes are, and then it constructs a digital version of you so you can put it in the game, mm. and if you create a player, you, he can look like you, and... I created myself the other day when I got it. I've never done it before. And it is eerie how good it looks. It looks so much like me. Steve this saw just it sounds today. sounds like a recipe for disaster. It's true, yeah. But it was crazy how much it looked like me. It was awesome. It looked like you were at a uh, theme park. Yeah. And they dressed you as a football player. Yeah. But, um, so what team are you playing for and what position? I'm actually a coach right now, Bob. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Do you but have I, like a Tom Landry fedora or something cool? No, or? it was weird. I've imported it in the game. Um, those who don't know what I look like, I'm bald. Um, and I uh, gave myself my real hair in the thing. And then I got like some weird hair when I made myself a coach. It was really bizarre. I don't know why it looks like that. Um so I gotta try to fix that, but I'll post a picture of it uh, on on with this post so you, everybody can see uh, the ridiculousness of of what it looks like. Um, but uh, Sean, since it's the first time uh, on the show, why don't you tell the listeners 
about yourself? Like, what what comics are you into? When did you get into comics? Uh, you also you have an, your own podcast that you do as well. So why don't you talk about that? That's correct. Actually, I have my own show. It's uh, focused on DC comics. So obviously, you know where my loyalties lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, not at all. It's just uh, I happen to come in with the new Fifty Two. I am a new reader. I'm one of the mythical new readers that came <laughs> in. So it was a it's it's a place of comfort for me. So I just happen to know. I was there from the beginning, so I knew what was going on. So I started a show that was basically a lot more utilitarian in nature, where we go over each week's books as they're released, just kind of give out plot beats and everything like that, have some discussions, uh, a lot of jokes, a lot of puns. If, if you're looking for a show that strives for mediocrity and just waylays you with puns incessantly while talking about DC Comics, we're your show. And what's <laughs> the name of your show? Uh, DCR Podcast. All right. Um, and we searched that on iTunes. They can find that? Yeah, you can pretty much search anywhere. Okay, awesome. That's great. Um, that is really how this podcast started too. That's what we started doing was just doing DC stuff, um, the New Fifty Two. So it's, I'm we, picking up your slack. We have similar origin stories. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this week, guys. I mean, obviously, um, a lot of big news came out. A lot of it DC focused. Um, creator changes. Some controversy. Um, and obviously a little more news, big news with a, a new initiative from Marvel and some other stuff as well. So um, the Harley Quinn stuff. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so normally we, we, do, we do news now to start out the show. But because there's so much of it and because it's kind of the the biggest thing happening in comics right now, we're going to save that as our topic. We're going to uh, we're gonna mash that together um, with uh, your, some of your listener questions, you guys. We answered the call. And as always, you guys came through amazingly with a ton of great questions. So we will be answering some of those uh, as well. But before we even get into Books of the Week, which will be our next segment, um, on Tuesday, uh, Steve and myself uh, went into Manhattan and... Um, and went to a press event uh, that Warner Brothers Interactive was holding to show off uh, their fall games. And the, the three games that they were showing were uh, Scribblenauts Unmasked, which, for those unfamiliar with the Scribblenauts series, is a, is a, is a puzzle platformer, uh, all-ages game. Mm-hmm. And the hook of it is you can type in words and those objects fall into the environment. Uh and you, they added adjectives in the second game, so you didn't need to be a gun. It could be a huge gun, and then a huge gun would fall in it, for example. Um, but Scribblenauts Unmasked is a DC-licensed uh, game. It's um, Scribblenauts Unmasked, a DC adventure, I believe is the yeah, subtitle of the game. Uh, this incorporates the DC universe into the game, whereas you can type in the name of heroes and they will fall out and be in your, um, in your world and you can use them to solve puzzles. Uh, and the way the game is laid out now is there looks what it looks to be. What we saw in our demo, we saw a, about a, probably a 20 minute mm-hmm. demo of the game, um, on the Wii U. It's coming out Wii U, 3DS and PC, uh, Mainly because of interface issues, because there's a lot of typing going on, and it's so hard to type with a gamepad if you don't have a yeah. typing interface. <clears throat> so, those coming on those platforms, uh, a 20-minute demo, and what we basically saw was kind of sandboxes, like um, uh, open areas that weren't particularly huge, but were open, and you could do things in any order you wanted to, uh, different kinds of missions, different kinds of objectives, uh, and... 
you can use whatever you want to come in to to help you solve these scenarios. Yeah. Um, and you get points for originality and so on and so on and so on. Um, Steve, I want to ask you, what did you think uh, of? Have you played any Scribble Knots games? And what did you think seeing this game? Um, I think I might have played the first Scribble Knots on uh, my friend's child's gaming device whatever yeah. it was i think was. it was on the ds the first one yeah it mm-hmm. was one of those uh she was sitting at the kitchen table and she was she was showing it to me and, and i i played it for a couple minutes but um no i was i was very impressed uh i was impressed with how just how much of the dc universe is in the game i mean some of the features that we were showed today uh we got to see the Batcave, mm-hmm. and we got to see oa mm-hmm. from, uh, of course from green lantern and, I mean, what struck me that was really, really cool about it was, I mean, Scribblenauts has been around for a while. They kind of got the formula down of, you know, adding these adjectives and these objects and dropping them into the world. But the the uh, the mass amount of DC materials that are in the game is, to me, it's staggering. Mm, yeah. I, I mean... We were basically when when the demo was not over, but we were asked for questions. You know, who has mm-hmm. questions? Or the girl that was demoing the game, she was asking for, you know, who do you want to see? And when we were calling out characters, I mean, you know, you have a bunch of video game and comic book guys sitting in a room. They're automatically going to go for the throat and they're going to mm-hmm. start calling out random ass characters. Yeah. And you can bet they were there. They yeah. were they were all there. Mm-hmm. As obscure as it was, they were there. Space cabbie, space cabbie. Uh, was it Mondo or Mongo? Oh, Mon- pla- M- Mogo, Mogo. Oh, yeah, the, Mogo. The, the planet. Yeah, the planet Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, size uh, of characters change so that it's not like not everybody's one uniform size. Mm-hmm. If you choose like Dark Side or you know, um, I don't know, think of another massive character. The Spectre. They, yeah, yeah. Oh, I told her to put in the Anti Monitor from the Crisis book, and yeah. he was there, yeah. and he just started coming and started. Right, killing people. <laughs> but it was it was really cool because um, I mean, not not only I I love the idea of it forces you to be creative, and I, w- I really liked the kind of like the reputation system that you get points for originality. You can't use the same word to help yourself twice. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna if you want something to fly, you have you know you could write flying, but you mm-hmm. can only do it once. So then, what else can you do that's flying? You could float. You can, you mm. know, weightlessness, anti-gravity. I'm sure mm. that there are variations. But uh, so we were asking for these characters and it wasn't just, you know, asking. Like I asked for Stephanie Brown and she goes, well, do you want spoiler, Batgirl or Robin uh, or Robin? Yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I asked for Harley Quinn. Mm. She says, you know, uh, pre-DC 52, the whole room goes, you know, <laughs> pre-DC 52. Yeah. But there were multiple versions of her. I think we, we asked for um, Caveman Batman. Well, what we said was there's, there is a hero creator where basically you can, you can make your own heroes. You can take parts of other heroes and put them together. And she was like, what do you like to see? And I was like, how about a Green Lantern Batman? And she she goes, okay, let's type in Batman. She goes, oh, God, what Batman do you want? And she's reading him out. She goes, oh, we'll do Caveman Batman, which is the Batman from the Return of Bruce Wayne story that Grant Morrison wrote a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's you know him with like the, the pelt on his head. And she's like, okay, we'll take his head off, and we'll put Hal's head on there, and we'll give him a mitten, and we'll make him – his power will be he throws kittens. Yeah. Um, and you made it and put, dropped it in the world, made him angry, and he just started like attacking – yeah. They're throwing kittens at, at, at the characters. Um, it's, yeah. it's, 
kind um, of the main thrust of that game is just the craziness you can create inside of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were able to call in entire groups of yeah, people. that was like, cool. We called in the entire Red Lantern Corps and the Green Corps and set them on each other, we and they started immediately fighting. started battling, and and you know lasers going off and power ring uh, things manifesting themselves and knocking people out. Uh, so I mean, I mean, I know we have two other games to talk about, but as far as Scribble Knots, I've never invested myself in the series but i am definitely even for a laugh mm-hmm. like just for for a couple of evenings just seeing what can i come up with or even sitting there with a like a dc uh kind of like a uh, encyclopedia and that's one of the other yeah things that's a cool about it aspect of it that i loved is they have a dc encyclopedia built into the game that they actually bothered everything everything that appears in the game is described in detail like every character that you can yeah. put into the game, they have their origin stories, um, the, the the comics that they've shown up in, some of their suggested their best stories. Like it's all in there. The relationships to other characters. Yeah. Uh, can you pause it to look things up? To make yeah, a absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's a little button on the Wii U gamepad. She goes, you know, if you if you if you need to solve a puzzle. Or, and you can't figure out what hero, because sometimes the things you need to do are contingent upon certain heroes, and you don't know who to use, or you, know, you hit this little button in the corner at the back computer, and this thing pops up, and you can look through who these people are and, and yeah. find out who they are. Um, the art style is is very much scribble knots, you know, it, but it's this very, uh, it's this very childlike but beautiful art style, you know, um, mm-hmm. almost as if they're cut out like paper cutouts, yeah. almost, uh, and. You know, at one point, you know, she helps somebody do something and this giant crab pops out and she calls in Superman to destroy the the, the giant crab and stuff like that. And that stuff was, was really cool. And, you know, even when you talk about the, the Lantern Corps, you know, they had Simon Boz, the new Green Lantern, popped up and she called in the Green Lantern yep. Corps. The cat. The, 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 the cat Red Lantern shows up wow. when they call the Red Lantern Corps in. Um, I'd really, have been a creep and gone for Slam Bradley or something. I guarantee it's in there. It was so funny. Somebody else asked some really obscure yep. character I'd never even heard of, and, and it was there. Yep. And Steve actually said, he goes, oh, man, I wish Bob was here. <laughs> Yeah, Doy B. Dickles. I want to see Doy B. That's the thing. I wanted you. I wanted you on that couch with us. So you could just call out random stuff. Yeah. Um, and she was really. I mean, the the girl demoing the game. She was really cool. She was very knowledgeable mm-hmm. of the DC universe and the you know of course the Scribble Knots franchise. And um, I mean, she got me excited about the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the great thing about the game, it looks like it has a real sense of imagination and fun and play. Um, they they do uh, procedurally generated. Uh, objective, so it, it's not the same thing twice. So right. you go in and out of a area, you come back, and the puzzles are all different, um, which keeps a sense of discovery open. The only thing that worries me about the game, for me personally, is just there isn't a ton of structure about the game, and that's on purpose. Um, it, I don't know how long that will hold my attention past the novelty of right. let's call in this character, let's call in mm-hmm. that character. But I think for kids. Yeah, for the market they're aiming at, my uh, nine-year-old son plays the first one incessantly, and he uses it as a uh, toy box, essentially. Uh, Who would win in a fight, a Cyclops versus an alligator? And he'll just type them both in and make them fight. Mm. So you can imagine this will probably have a lot of use for comic fan children. Absolutely. And that's the thing for it. And actually, the premise of the game is the two lead characters um, get into a fight about who would win, Superman or Batman, so they go to the DC Universe to try to make it happen, and when they get there, things have gone crazy. There and, you go. Yeah, and you can literally, you can just play around. Like she said, you can just play around. You can call yeah. in the Lantern Corps, you can call in two characters, you can do whatever you want. You can literally, you can really play for hours and hours and hours and hours and never do a, a single objective. Um, and 
I think that's that's pretty cool. You know, it's not something that hides anything behind walls. I think for the demographic they're going for, it's a home run, and I think the license is going to make it even bigger to see Batman on the cover. And the moment you open up yeah. the open the game up and put it in, Batman can you know B- B- Batman can fight the Joker. Batman can you know team up with Superman to fight who- Lex Luthor or whatever. Uh, I-, I think it is definitely a win uh, for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So and then the next game that we saw uh, was the Lego Marvel Heroes. Yes. Right? Game, um, which is the next in the line of Lego games, uh, and it, Lego games are the Lego games. I mean, if you, it's tough to really explain them any more than they are. You, they are kind of, in a lot of ways, old school kind of puzzle platformers. They're mm-hmm. co- all cooperative. You know, there's no game over states. This is just you know, you play, you can die, but you just start again. You know, you pop back up into the world, right. destroying bricks, building stuff, collecting pieces. Um, but this all has a uh, really authentic Marvel uh, shell on it with, I think for the first time they said different size characters. So there's like giant size, like the Hulk is much bigger yeah. than, than other characters. Um, and the the plot of it is that uh, Dr. Doom is trying to steal uh, parts of the Silver Surfer's board to build his uh, Dr. Doom Death Ray of Doom. I believe is what, it, what it's called, uh, and you're trying to stop him, obviously. And there's about a, over a hundred, I think, a hundred characters in the game. We didn't get to see a lot of them. We saw some of them, but the most notable thing is we saw the game running on the PS4. Yep. Oh, uh, yeah. The so controller oh, was right near. It my was hands. right in front of us, right there, and it looked really good. So, uh, the first thing, first off, you know, it's a Lego game, so visual fidelity is not really the the first thing you're thinking of, or, or really worrying about but the ps4 version looked beautiful i mean reflections and particles when iron man took off you know there was reflections on his armor and just the way he moved yeah moved the animations are much better i'll say that the animations even when we were looking at the wii u version uh the animations are much smoother they look like they're moving they don't look when they're moving they don't look as much like uh lego characters i think as far as the way that they are interacting with things i mean they still look like lego characters but the way that they're animated Mm -hmm. is more fluid because they're doing uh more varied things in in this i'd Um, say uh and steve one of your favorite things was the mr fantastic stuff oh my god i was freaking out Mm -hmm. uh reed richards is one of the the first characters you get to play and he 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 moves exactly as you would imagine him but it just the amount of creativity that goes into his sets, he has, uh, he could turn into different tools to help you open doors. Uh, if, if there's a gated area and you can't access it, you can look for a sewer grate and he'll actually slim down and go mm-hmm. through the sewer and pop up the other side. Um, I mean, for me, I, I've always liked the Lego games, but I've kind of gotten tired of them. And I think it was around the Harry Potter. Lego game where I just about halfway through it I couldn't do it anymore. I try. I loved the hell out of the first Lego Batman game. Um, I know Bobby, you liked the second one. Yeah. I didn't like the second one mm. at all. Um, so I had kind of you know signed myself off of the Lego games, but this has definitely got me going back. I was really really impressed by the environments above anything else. I mean the way the characters moved and how quirky they were. And how much like their characters they were was impressive, but the the city, just it's New York City, they modeled it after that. Mm-hmm. It looks really, really good. It mm-hmm. looks like the next level of Lego game. And I mean just the the sand piles of all the sand falling down, um, when we saw the 
whatever uh, that station. San San Central Station. Yeah, San Central Station. <laughs> it's Grand Central Station, but it's a, a Sandman, and I forgot the other character. Like gun muck in there. Right, and um, just when the like when the the Legos break apart, there were so many more pieces, and there was just there was just so much more. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more to the game. Um, I the world feels like a world. It almost feels like a like a Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. kind of world. And I, graphically, it's definitely a step up, especially on the PS4. It looked gorgeous. Yeah, it did. It really did. And, uh, the, you know, in Lego games, there's always these places where certain characters interact and do certain things. Maybe they, they get different suits. And the Mr. Fantastic stuff was like that. You know, he, he turned into a pair of, like, pliers and cut yeah. a lock on a door. A and stuff like that. A screwdriver. And a, well, the teapot, he's like, I can make him in a teapot, but there's no reason for it. It's just like a personality yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just there. <laughs> So all that personality is there. Um, Stan Lee is a character in the game. And he's voiced by Stan Lee, and he like ran by him, and he's like, "I'm Stan Lee." Yeah. <laughs> so that stuff was really cool. Um, you know, and a lot of the characters who have voiced a lot of the actors who have voiced these characters in animated shows before um, are back doing this uh, in this. Um, uh, what was his name? Clark Gregg is is voicing Agent Coulson, mm-hmm. and when you start out kind of in free play mode and be able to g- jump into New York, you start on the helicarrier, uh, and you're Captain America and Mister Fantastic, and you just you jump off the helicarrier and you dive down into New York, and you can see the whole city sprawled out in front of you, and it, it's it's rich in color and looks very picture picturesque. Yeah, like your base jumping. Yeah, yeah, and still wow. very Lego, you know, and. Uh, Captain America goes into that pose where he has a shield out in front of him and then he uh, parachute and Mr. Fantastic turns himself yeah, into a parachute. Um, I mean, the, the the guy that was presenting the game to us, he was the game's director. Yeah. And, I mean, you could see you could see the, the, the comic fanboy written all over his face. Like, mm-hmm. this was definitely not just somebody looking to cash in on the Marvel property. This is somebody as a passion project that got the opportunity to make a Lego Marvel game, like a a big, big game. And he was, he was overjoyed. He was a little frazzled, but that's because, you know, the kits that they give you, like he thought he almost broke uh, (laughs) one of the systems while we were there. But um, he was definitely, he was basically saying to us, like, you know, we were limited on time, but I cannot wait for you guys to see, what else is in here? Because there's a lo- there's a lot of winks and nods for yeah. people that pay attention to the lore. Yeah, he was very very excited, and uh, he definitely knew his stuff. He, he was excited that he was talking to people from a comic book outlet, and yeah. uh, it was cool. Like he wanted to talk to us, but we were trying to leave. We were kind of getting ushered out because we had a very short amount of time to see all the games. The game looks cool. Again, it's a Lego game, so when you get your hands on it, we have to see how these different characters change up the gameplay. But it looks really good. And you could tell he just wanted to keep... He was supposed to switch over the Wii, Wii U, but he really just wanted to keep showing it to us on the PS4. Yeah. You could tell the, the kind of excitement about how it looked. Um, and it's launched for both the, the PS4 and the Xbox One. So anybody's getting those systems, that game will be out there. Um, and the, we finished up our, our, our session uh, seeing Batman Arkham Origins, which is the new series in the Arkham games. Uh, obviously, much critically praised, uh, commercially mega me- mega successful franchise. Um, this is a different developer uh, role, and it's rolling back to. He called it like a year two story, basically not a year one story, a year two. Basically, at this point, Batman is still uh, you know he. He thinks he's the best at what he does at this point, but he's really only dealt with thugs. This is before supervillains have really started showing their heads. The cop, he, him and the cops aren't friends yet. He's yeah, him still and Gordon a, aren't. He, yeah, talking. him and Gordon aren't talking. He's a 
He's still a menace to the cops. Um, you know, he's still a, a, a legend and a myth. And the and he got even said he's like, and the people, the few people who have met him wish they hadn't, and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, it's going back to that time. And this uh, Black Mask, Crime Boss Black Mask, is basically, uh, you know. A pissed that Batman has been ruining his his crime rings As in the city, be, yeah. so he offers a fifty million dollar bounty on his head, and that brings all of the world's biggest assassins yeah, to different. Gotham. Eight different, you know, Deadshot's there, Deathstroke is there. Uh, I can't remember the ones he mentioned. There's all he, he didn't Joker. mention all. Well, Joker's uh, there, but Joker's not Bonds one of the assassins. Tiger, um, yeah, there we go. Um, Lady Shiva, does she in there? Or? I'm not, they didn't show her, so they haven't announced all of them yet either. So I, I, I'm sure Lady Shiva will be there, um, and so and he walked us through the game basically, showing us the world and talking about it. Um, Steve, what were your impressions of Arkham Origins? Um, it was, I mean, it, it's it's not going to come as any surprise. It looks like the Rocksteady titles. So for those, I was skeptical when we walked in. I was very worried about the combat system, uh, which is retained. You can still kick some major ass, and you are, you know, zipping from thug to thug and doing, you know, breaking arms and legs and mm-hmm. flipping people over your back and such. Um, but what I was particularly impressed with uh, was two things. One, uh, Gotham City is now five times the size of the Arkham and Arkham. I mean, in the Gotham and Arkham City, mm-hmm. or rather, oh, I got uh, lost in that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so. That's Arkham that you were stuck in. You weren't in Gotham. In yeah, City. yeah. You were you were in the Arkham City, the part of Gotham they had walled off to make okay. the, the the asylum. But they they've introduced a fast travel system for the first time right. here, so you can go from location to location without having to travel there every time because right. the city is so much bigger. Um, I mean, I'm I from the very first game. I have always been. I've almost been more impressed with Gotham itself than than the gameplay the city and just how how realized it is and how Mm. you find things that you've seen in the comics that they're in there um the kitty litter factory and things Mm. like that just really really do it for me but um for for me the highlight of the demo was the new detective mode yeah the case files yeah the case files mode that they have going on now because up until this point, I mean, Rocksteady's done a tremendous job with these games, but the one thing, and Bobby and I had talked about this, uh, I guess, last year mm. when we were talking about the game, about how the detective aspect of the games, it's cool, but there was always something lacking about it. You never really, like, you got to basically tell Batman to do things, and he did them mm-hmm. with this new system, and it is new. It's, like, yeah. completely revamped. Um, there's a system inside of his cowl inside of i guess his visor that creates um like a 3d reproductions of crime sites so you basically you look at the evidence and then within his cowl in the the computer system it will build and reenact the crime in 3d yeah it's cool (laughs) yeah you can actually watch it happen and as you're watching it happen you can piece everything together and you can highlight certain things that happened during the crime and zoom in and and you know and watch it and basically we watched a we watched a helicopter go down and you know we followed the rotor found the rotor found out that it was shot followed the bullet Mm -hmm. through several different you know locations discovered that dead shot was in town Mm -hmm. like one one piece led to another led to another led to another um, but it was just, it was such a, it was such a cooler way to go about solving the crime and actually feeling 
like, you know, the world's greatest detective as yeah. opposed to just whipping out one of the bat devices and it telling you what happened and then yeah. going to the location and that's it. Yeah. Oh, it, you guys didn't like playing the first two games through a green visor? <laughs> well, that thing is still there, um, the detective mode. And I, I didn't mind those things, but it does not fulfill the fantasy of being the world's greatest detective, which is honestly my favorite part of Batman. And, and, and so that stuff was really cool, like tracking down the rotor and being like, okay, the ballistics on this point to this. And that, that stuff was great. I, that really impressed me. That I was like, okay, you're doing something new and different. And something that looks like an improvement. And it also gives you a chance to breathe. You know, it's it's a quieter moment. It means all of this mm-hmm. action. And I really, really liked that. Um, they also have introduced uh, a scoring system now. When, when you're right. fighting, it gives you a grade. It lets you know how high the threat was. Uh, stuff like that. So it, it kind of encourages you to be better at the combat throughout the game. Which is something that I definitely need because... I mean, the combat system is great, but I'm usually horrible at it. Uh, so uh, I, I thought that was cool. No, I mean, that's not a that's not a make or break thing for me, uh, but it's not. Uh, it, it's it's definitely a, a cool addition. And my biggest thing, takeaway was I liked where the story seemed like it was going. I liked yeah. the idea of the story. Um, we got to we. I asked uh, the the game director. I believe he's the game director. Yep. Um, what is it? I you know obviously he's drawing inspiration from the previous games, but and he's not drawing directly from any comic story. But I was like, what are you using as kind of your inspirations? And he said his inspiration were definitely the original Legends of the Dark Knight stories, those early stories of Batman, and the idea that they would show you stories that you know you would you you had already seen, but in a in a different light. And that's what he's trying to. That's what they're trying to do with Batman Arkham Origins and. You definitely, you definitely get that sense. Uh, again, just like the other guys, and you know, maybe they're just really good at their jobs and talking to people. But seemed very invested in the character, seemed very into what they were doing, and definitely were aware of the expectations and the naysaying that goes along with taking over for a very successful company mm-hmm. um, on, you know, probably the best superhero video game franchise of all time. Uh, so that they definitely were very much aware of that. So I thought it looked really good. You know, there are some, there, there were a couple like fidelity issues you saw, like, you know, there's some collision stuff where like right. Batman swinging and he hits a railing and he kind of just slides up the railing to get to the next level. A little level. bit of jerky camera work. A little, a little bit, bit jerky camera work. Nothing game breaking. Nothing that you go, you'd even, after you'd played the game, you would not even think about it. You know, it, it's just stuff that happens. Uh, but definitely a little bit of, open world jank that happens when you have games that are that big yeah and i mean they they've got how long until that releases uh, just about a month now yeah i mean they're they're still they're still working on it. i mean i'm sure mm. that they're you know it's down to the final hour yeah but i mean they they work on those until they go out the door yeah so did they at least lock up the riddler so there's not all those stupid trophies everywhere <laughs> they did not even mention the riddler trophies no, now, oh, now, yes. you have, now you have bombs oh yeah but those are those are there's a lot of just side missions they've developed that they seemed interesting and cool and and story based that i i might actually do some of those for ones in a game like that um and and they showed up a new um a new gadget, uh, a oh, right. yeah the what I don't was remember it? the name of it. The remote the remote batarang. I thought it was a back grapple. Back grapple, yeah. The so you could basically you could you could send your grappling hook to a gargoyle and then send it to a and then attach it to a guy and it would hit the guy and then go to the gargoyle and string him up without yeah. you having to do those steps. You could create a tightrope for yourself. Um, 
And just like in the other games, when you get when that, when that stuff starts chaining together, it's really really cool, and you really feel like Batman when, when you're doing it. So um, overall, I think all the games looked very good. Uh, obviously, these are these are hands off demos that they're showing us the games. Right. So until we have our hands on them themselves, which we will, and we'll definitely bring you guys reviews of all three of these games. Um, we can't say for sure, but impressions were good. I'd say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What about for the systems themselves? What was your seeing the seeing on various platforms? Um, well, it's funny. Uh, well, the Batman Arkham Origins is running on PS3 because that's a current generation game, um, right. and it looks very good for a current generation game. I love the aesthetic of the snow. It's Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. the snow over the ground, the ice, and everything. That stuff looked really good. Um, the, obviously, the, the the Lego stuff on PS4 looked awesome. Yeah. Um, and Scribble Nuts, they're playing on the Wii U, looked great. Oh, it was it was so colorful, it was yeah. so vibrant, and, and adorable. Yeah, it's a perfect uh, art style for that platform. Uh, when they showed us Marvel Heroes on the Wii U, I think they were doing direct footage off the gamepad, right. which is a much lower resolution than the actual TV. So, it, and it was on a fifty-inch TV, the, uh, so the, it looked like a PS2 game. The but, game the gamepad actually looked better. Yeah, because it was smaller. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was I think they and I asked the guy actually walking. I was like, that wasn't. Like 1080p footage of the ba- of no, the Marvel I th- game. I think it he was, was like, no. He's like, I don't know why it looked like I that. I think it was a it was a lower resolution stretched onto a, a, a oh, okay. screen yeah, that was yeah. not meant to yeah. handle it. So it didn't look great, but I know I know what it will look like because it will look like all the Lego games that have come out on the Xbox and on the PS3 and on the Wii U. So I'm not worried about about that at all. Um, but good, I'm excited. There's some cool Wii U stuff coming out, um, and uh, that that excites me. Uh, yeah, it was really uh, awesome to see um, to see the navigation. Uh, on the Wii U of the Scribblenauts in particular. Yeah, Scribblenauts, it seems like that's the place to play it. I mean, I guess PC would probably be great because you can just type on your keyboard. Yeah. Uh, but if you're playing on a console, it seems like Wii U is the place to go with that. Um, yeah, so that was our time at Warner Brothers, and we'll bring you more on that game uh, as things go along. Uh, so let's move on to our book of the week. Bob, why don't you start out because you've had to be quiet the whole time we were talking uh, about video games. Not a problem. <laughs> I chimed in. I said you did. the Spectre once. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. I'll be, I, I think we should definitely do when we get Scribblenauts do a video feature where Bob just sits there and like yells out names and we just type them in and see if he, Bob can stump scribble knots. We should <laughs> we do could, that. We, yeah. could, we could work on that. I think that'll be great. That'd um, be great. We might want to do a Batman video. If I bring my friend, you know, uh, Beller. Yeah. Yeah. He's a God at <laughs> Batman combat. You have no idea, dude. Combos that I thought the game was going to break. He's wow. amazing. He's amazing. Oh, wow. I, that'd I, be cool. My hat is totally off to him. Once he gets going, he cannot be stopped. He does those, you know, those ones where everybody filters yeah. in, and it's one combo for the all three rounds. One combo. <laughs> it's insane. That's amazing. Wow. It's amazing. You need that because you're going to get ambushed. Yeah, you do get ambushed. Yeah, no, he got me all my uh, combat trophies for the last two titles. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I'm ah, excited to see what kind of skins they have and stuff in the game. I'm yeah. excited to see that stuff. You just lost me with that. Uh, character like costume switches and stuff like that. Like they had Batman Beyond, they had Dark Knight Returns in the last one. Right. Uh, yeah, um, and there will be DLC for Arkham Origins. Nothing concrete yet, but they are working on it. Yeah, he just they wouldn't. Steve asked the question. They they wouldn't say anything. The other thing they'll say is one of the one of the pre-order bonuses is you get is Deathstroke is playable. You can play as Deathstroke. So yes. did they state if there were going to be uh, retail specific things as well? I don't. They didn't say anything about that. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go back to it again. No, no, it's <laughs> fine. No, yeah, that's a good question because uh, that's a big thing right now. I haven't heard anything, but I'm sure. If Arkham City is any indication, then yes. Uh, but it's tough to ask the, like the director and the actual developers about that stuff because they really have no control over it. Um, you mean there are certain characters you can only buy 
certain ways. There were skins and there were skins. And yeah, stuff. it's like if you okay. buy it at Best Buy, you'll you get, get the Red Sun Batman skin. If you buy right. it at GameStop, oh. you get the Batman Beyond skin. Whatever it is, they yeah they do stuff like that all the time in retail. It's weird, and then they eventually offer it for pay downloadable for anybody else who didn't get it so well i guess it's better than when they have blu-rays and dvds with special features yes target has one and yeah. best buy has another and yeah. so okay what do you do yeah but it's the same thing basically it's the same uh, thing that's crappy it's weird yeah it's crappy <laughs> that's crappy yeah you just make the, it's the consumer losing the consumer ends up losing in that situation way too much of that yeah all right bob what do you got so for anyway us? uh infinity part two of six yes yeah, so uh, i was a little I don't want to say off-put by one, but a little too much outer space stuff and mm-hmm. not enough human beings. Mm-hmm. But the two tie-ins really helped with that, the Avengers Assemble and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And here, uh, still combat going on, but there, it's Hickman, so there are six different stories, it seems, going yes. on yeah. at once. <laughs> but they're, they're juggled very nicely. Mm-hmm. And for instance, you don't hear, I don't think Thor has a line of dialogue here, and yet has a lovely moment. Yeah. You know, planet side with Hyperion roll that's mm. going on. There's some mm. great inhuman stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. This is really setting that up. We've mm. got, you know, Haughty Medusa and mm-hmm. Black Bolt being all kingly. Yeah. And then his little pocket universe that Maximus discovered. Yeah. Don't say too much about that in case mm. people are waiting to read that. But <laughs> I love the, the moment with Medusa. That was my that was my favorite yeah. part of the mm-hmm. issue. People have come here before and had their yeah, heads. She's, she's starting to, to get her yeah. uh, her spice back a little bit. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, Corvius Glaive is an intense, scary gentleman. Yeah. I call him the Maw. <laughs> he, is, uh, he is intense, man. The Jagged Maw. Yeah, yeah, a whole new set of villains, and yeah. it seems like they've been around forever somehow. Yeah. As, as are some of these heroes who we haven't seen much of Yeah, um, leading you know, up here. You know what I'm enjoying? I'm enjoying uh, Ex Nihilo. Uh, yeah. being a, yeah. a, a part of the team. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. It is. It's very cool. I never would have guessed that in the beginning when no. Avengers had started mm-hmm. that he would be joining them on this. And he seems, you know, genuinely mortified by what's going on. If that turns later, I'll be really surprised. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust his sister. No. Nah. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't no. trust her yet. Yeah, yeah, no. She's shady. But she seems so likable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm missing here is that we see we haven't even seen her in New Avengers recently is the Black Swan. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. I'm sure she's going to pop up. Oh yeah. Well, of course. She's got a big part to play, I think here. As the worlds start colliding, yeah. she'll she'll turn up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I love about the action in this book is that we break into these big action sequences, but they seem secondary to what the story he really wants to tell you always get these voiceovers over them and when i so when i see that i imagine those scenes in movies where um and it actually feels a lot sometimes like battlestar galactica Mm -hmm. you know like the big battles happening but then there's like a voiceover going and there's like an intimate moment happening over here that really is the focus but we're showing you this battle that's um kind of a metaphor for the internal struggles that are happening all over the place i almost think that again hickman has planned this out Mm. I'm, I'm sure the repercussion this will be going on for years yes. in, in his books. Mm. In that it's possible that that first issue was so action centric, so space battle centric, so mm. we could pull back into all these other stories now. Yeah. Here's what could happen. Now we're going to show you how we get to part three and mm. four. Uh, it's, you know, I should have trusted him more. <laughs> you know, we moved into two, and I, mm. I was really I'm very much sold now on this. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. Sean, are you, are you reading Infinity? I am actually. I'm. I'm trying to jump into the Marvel side as far as the Avengers side through this, and okay. I'm a little lost. I have to admit <laughs> that that's uh, very understandable, yeah. Sean. 
<laughs> but uh, what I what I am reading has me interested in a lot of characters. I actually went back and read the uh, the Avengers stuff up to date as far as the Marvel now to mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So I'm at least I'm aware of those characters and kind of the major stuff going on there. But the, they have a lot of characters in the Marvel U. They do. They yeah, have just just FYI, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah, and Hickman tends to use a lot of the obscure ones, so it's, you can't even kind of use your base knowledge of the Marvel Universe to help you too much here. And he's constantly yeah, it's really helping me out. Ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or are, old ones. Yeah, yeah, bring in the star brand. Yeah, exactly. Mask. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Jonathan. Are you also reading New Avengers as well, Sean? Uh, I, that was actually what I started off with was okay. New Avengers, but that was a very dense yeah. Dense book. Yeah. That was the first Marvel book I picked up. Oh, actually, wow. That, that second issue almost broke my brain. That's jumping in the deep end, Sean. It was. I, that was basically hitting my head on the diving board yeah. and falling in. Yeah. yeah. That's but a you did it with one. style. I you know, did. Sure. Oh, I did. I, I, I Luganus that right in. <laughs> oh, the New Avengers really uh, – Avengers has been great, but New Avengers yeah. is, is well above it, I think. Just the, the Namor Black Panther stuff alone yeah. is worth the price of admission. I, well, it, once I got the the gist of it, it's it's a really solid title. It's mm-hmm. it's very great the way the dynamics of all the characters are working. I, and I don't have anything to work off of, so I'm walking in as a blank slate. And it's mm-hmm. a it's a great storyline. Yeah, for, I mean, for me, honestly, the Namor Black Panther stuff most of m- most of my experience with characters basically comes here. I mean, I've read some stuff, and obviously they have their stuff in Avengers versus X-Men that happened between them, but other than that context, it's really just been Hickman's writing in that book that uh, has really put them to the forefront for me. Um, The thing about Avengers is Avengers... No, it's totally worth reading, and it's a very good book, don't get me wrong, but it it has more felt like the lead-up to this event mm-hmm. and what's happening now than new avengers new avengers felt like its own thing that has it almost you know it felt like this was born out of new avengers in a lot of ways this event but and but an avengers has kind of been the lead up it has been the thing that will give you the background and all these different things leading to what we're doing right now uh, which is great because you know now when i see smasher you know, uh, and yeah. she's doing something, I have a context for who she is, and I, I care about her, and that right. never would have happened if it had jumped, mm-hmm. jumped in and not done those character specific issues. It's definitely Captain Universe. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely worth it. It's sort of like the... It's on a highway. We have Sunrise Highway here. It's mm-hmm. a limited access roadway. Avengers is Sunrise. Yeah. And the new Avengers is sort of the service road. And it yeah. Keeps, it comes in every yeah. now and again. Yeah. And now they've all merged together into yeah. a... Sorry. Fancy thing. <laughs> I won't ride it. <laughs> oh, sing. boy. Oh, was good. Long. <laughs> okay, that's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> Just... uh, so, Infinity number two. What else you got for us, Bob? Uh, I guess this is technically Batman the Dark Knight 23.1. But it's really Batgirl 23.1. Mutter grumble. No. But, no, but it is, but I'm saying... Well, it, it, it is and it isn't. It's yeah. hard to say what it is. It's ventriloquist number one, though it mm. doesn't say that at the bottom of the first page. Right. Uh, it is Gail Simone, right. though it doesn't say it anywhere on the cover. No, you have to no. go find that. Yeah. Um, it's, a very, it's a very dark character, Shorna Belzer, as opposed to the other ventriloquist. Not a whole lot of fun. It is funny in a sick sort of Chucky way. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to know a whole lot about her backstory that I am not entirely sure was perfect. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the Rob Zombie Halloween. If we know all about Michael mm-hmm. Myers, does it really help any? Is he scarier being just the epitome of evil? It Was she scarier just being nuts? Right. As opposed to why she's nuts. 
That said, it is a well-told story for us, a very Italian horror movie sort of thing. Mm. There was a movie called Demons years ago, which is a stuck-in-a-theater, bad people, lots of death. Mm-hmm. Um, what seems to be happening, for me, I've only read this of the tie-ins and thumbed through a couple others, Gotham City here is a mess for what's happened because of Forever Evil. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of that played into right. how this goes. Got, you know, there's no power and there's yeah, no, no power. Yeah, and it's, yeah. all a, it's all a real mess. So yeah. now here's a theater and the lights are on and mm-hmm. she's giving a show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't go to the snack bar is all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, I, you know, to use Stephanie's favorite word, I, I might have been unnecessary. I might have, <laughs> you know, the... Bits of it that, which I loved her in, I guess, was 20 and 21 yeah. in Batgirl. Uh, maybe it was the balance with Barbara. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- people who have sort of similar takes, you know, they're mm-hmm. damaged for one reason or another. Uh, and showing the heroism side of it gave it a, a nicer veneer, mm-hmm. supposedly. If I were giving it a star rating, I don't know, two and three quarters out of four. Okay. What really made that one stand out, though, was the fact that they did actually touch upon the forever evil and how it's affecting uh, the rest of the world. Mm. Whereas a lot of them were just these origin stories, at least the, uh, what was it, Batman, the Dark Knight, I guess Mm -hmm. is what it is. is, uh, It it at least touched on how messy Gotham is and how this forever evil thing is affecting the citizens of the DCU. And that was really what made it kind of stand out for me. Mm. It's been interesting, I and mean, we'll talk about this. I guess I think we're all going to talk about some villains months mm-hmm. books, but there is a weird separation between ones that deal directly with what's going on and ones that are stories of these characters' pasts. And I I feel like it's it's very much a case by case scenario as far as which works better. Because I'll talk about a book later, which I think didn't touch on it at all, which I really really liked a lot. While other ones that did, I felt were almost I was like, well, but if I'm not reading all the rest of these books, then this feels like I sh- didn't even have to read this. Hmm. Now, is it a, on the creator end of things? In this case, it's Gail who writes Batgirl, writing right. a Batgirl story. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't, that's why I don't know. Yeah. You know. I think we're going to have to see this, how this all shakes out. Um, but we saw this also. Some people had an, took umbrage, obviously, the fact that I think Cyborg Superman, who, is it, for, who right now is primarily a Supergirl character, is in, I think it was... Action 23.1? Yeah, yeah, Action Comics 23.1. Yeah, and, and people who read Supergirl didn't, some of them didn't realize that that's what was going on, that there was that team writing that character in that book, so they didn't get it. And some people who were like, well, I don't care about Cyborg Superman, so I don't want to t- touch this, even though, according to people who read Supergirl, they've been doing a really good job with that character. So I feel like there's some advertising issues going on here with people not being able to recognize what books they want to pick up and that's a problem because some people maybe more people pick up cyborg superman if they know who's behind it so yeah that's why i said mutter grumble earlier it's i'm not a fan of their naming yeah for this month so far yeah Yeah. and you add to that now because of the allocations and some stores got half their books some Mm -hmm. got a third some got none or Mm -hmm. half of this and some of the other some of our local stores ended up with Lots of stuff and then running out. Uh, yeah. Fourth World here locally apparently had tons of Joker. Oh, really? Vanished. Oh, wow. As everyone descended on them, apparently. Oh, uh, wow, yeah. To, to make up for... And that was other stores yeah. going to them to buy books. Yeah. And people are robbing Peter to pay Paul, yeah. in, in essence. Wow. Uh, so if it's not on the counter, not on the shelf, mm. since 
you couldn't know, you couldn't thumb through it to find out it was your favorite creative team. Yeah. Even finding out, you had to pre-order it because everyone mm. was shorted a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a crazy situation. Yeah. So what do you got next Moving. for us, Bob? X Factor, unless someone oh, else wants to do yes. some X Factor. No, no, go ahead. Okay, it's X Factor two sixty two. It's Peter David Neil Edwards. The end. Sorry, mm. we're mm. closed. Says Jamie Madrox mm. on the cover. Um, we are pulling together all the little bits and pieces here. We're finally to the end. We've got characters that go all the way back to the very, very beginning. Even before I was reading, a character called Trip shows up in his, one of his four or five different incarnations, apparently, from what my reading is. Uh, where it's Layla and Jamie this time around. She's squatting on what amounts to Jamie's parents' farms. They They died in the first Peter David run, apparently. And Trip shows up. There's time travel involved. Things will go very badly unless certain things happen. I don't want to spoil too much here. She takes umbrage <laughs> and takes care of him while she's making a sandwich just off the side. The sandwich is for Jamie, who's now hiding out in the barn, and he's still a demon. Mm-hmm. She has news from him that he can't understand. Yeah. Or does he? Yeah. Uh, he makes a pact with an ex-teammate. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be very spoilerific yeah. here. And we have a really lovely ending, nice battle where, where Agent Smith from uh, The Matrix shows up. Yeah, looks basically, like, yeah. W- with a gun from Men in Black. Yeah. So maybe he's Agent J. Smith <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. K. Smith or something. Yeah. Uh, really nice sequence. And it ends in a charming, lovely way, sitting around a table. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can fix this. We can put everybody back together yeah, again. Yeah. No. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Couldn't go out any better for me. Uh, I know for some, a big battle sequence would have been great, or the Mm. big event that was Hell on Earth Mm might have been the way to end it. Yeah. But a book that was so much about personality and the individuals, to me, having it end in six short little Mm -hmm. snapshots, I I found very satisfying. Yeah, what it allowed it to do was not to have, I feel, this last issue pressure that ends up on a lot of these long epic runs you know you know jeff johns or grant morrison or whoever there's a so much there's so much pressure on that last issue how are they going to wrap up all the story threads how are they going to pay off all this stuff how are they going to do this how they do that how are they going to top themselves and by doing their big epic storyline in the arc before the ending i feel like they ended it in a way that's fitting to the characters and didn't have to worry about explosions and mm-hmm. hanging plot threads. All the things are already wrapped up. And now we're just dealing with what are these characters doing now? And I liked that a lot. And I thought the ending had some good feels. Uh, it didn't, you know, it wasn't a, I didn't close it. And I was like, I wasn't like, holy shit. But that wasn't the purpose of it. The purpose was to give it a quiet ending. And to give, I think, these characters, and especially uh, Madrox, an ending that rarely comes in comic book storytelling, which is a peaceful, quiet one that doesn't involve killing anyone. It doesn't involve dying. It doesn't involve being resurrected. It just involves making a decision to go another way with your life. And I liked that a lot with the end of that. Got a nice smile on my face at at the end of it. Absolutely. We still don't know what's going to happen. We don't. There are all sorts of rumors. Which we will get to a little bit later because of the big announcement Marvel made this week. Steve, yeah. did you get to X Factor yet? I did indeed. Mm-hmm. And? And I loved it, of course. I loved it. <laughs> well, just checking. No, I, I mean, I, I, say, I say this every time that we talk about X Factor. I wish 
that I had been reading it all that time ago, that every time that you mentioned it or you and Stephanie started to, you know, kind of meet in the middle on it and you turn her on to it and then Bobby started reading it and I was the only one not reading it. Uh, and I really, I mean, I started with, you know, the big explosive mm-hmm. arc and I loved, I loved the order of events. I really did enjoy having, you know, the big to do ahead of time and having these six parts be the, the come down. It was different. It was, uh, very much, I think the way it should have ended. And it, it just, it's a credit to Peter David's, uh, writing in that he it shows to me it shows that he really cared about these characters and instead of having the readers not that they were distracted because the hell on earth was a tremendous story and it was a great arc but again it was a lot of back and forth it was a lot of fighting a lot of this and that with this ending he gave each set of characters their moment and their their epilogues yeah so perfect. to speak what happens to everyone after like instead of having the big big thing and leaving the end to a mystery, yeah. and then we don't find out what happened to everybody until somebody else picks up the X Factor series, and then it turns out we might not even get these characters again. Mm-hmm. Instead of leaving it to everyone's imaginations, he decided to you know give everybody their book, and it was just a really really nice way to end it. And uh, I did read it, and I did enjoy it very much. Yeah, so lovely to have the the air to allow everyone an ending as opposed to the usual two-page recap at the end of some giant event as they yeah. go, well, we're saying goodnight now and mm. you know, turn the lights out before you go. Yeah. No, this was just, just lovely. Yeah. Uh, but Book of the Week, it's, it's throwback time, <laughs> as usual over here, since I read so little. Uh, and prompted by something in the news, it's from 1997. It's Justice Riders by Chuck Dixon and J.H. Williams III all wow. those years ago. Who's it's, that? Yeah. Who's that? Uh, it's a DC Elseworlds, and we're set in an, an alternate Old West town called Paradise, which is uh, the law in town is Diana Prince, the woman wonder sheriff. Hmm. As she rides back into town, her town is obliterated. It is completely blown off the map as if by an atom bomb. She goes traipsing off for vengeance, picks up uh, Kid Flash. <laughs> The fastest gun in the West, mm. amazingly enough. Uh, Carter Johnson, the Hawk Witch Doctor. <laughs> uh, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle show up. Nice. And uh, Beetle is still an inventor. Mm-hmm. He, but he walks around with these antennas because they pick up odd ether <laughs> waves or whatever. Booster is around. Guy Gardner's shows oh, up boy. as a Pinkerton agent. <laughs> the problem, it is a Western. Mm. As I said, it's the Old West with some superheroes. John Jones, the Manhunter, is around nice. too. And Green. Nice. On a hunt from his home planet. The problem behind this, as in many Old Westerns, Railroad Baron. In this case, <laughs> named Maxwell Lord. Okay. Works. Perfect. So he wants to build a railroad to the West Coast, mm. as you know, people did back then. Um, he builds an army of clockwork men. We'll call them robots. Lots of fighting. Lots of... Uh, Stuff from old westerns, old DC, all done back and forth. And it's JH, it's not exactly what you would see in Batwoman, but mm-hmm. you can see where we were headed. Loads of little logos across the bottom of the page, wonderful Steranko esque panel layouts where things are askew and different tiers all across the book. I hadn't picked this up in years and just absolutely love it. If it's I'm sure it's still around. DC mm-hmm. doesn't take things out of print. 
if in the midst of all this J.H. Williams stuff, you want to see something that isn't Batwoman, mm. check out Justice Riders. Very nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean, what about you? Well, I'm going <laughs> to actually give a uh, shout-out to one real quick, that just because we're on that Elseworlds mm. train, and it is going to be Injustice Gods Among Us. Nice. Which honestly is the best uh, Elseworlds story going on right now. It's the only one, but it's the best one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of playing off the video game, obviously, with all of the stuff that's going on in there to set it up. But what Tom Taylor has done is kind of made this almost meta-commentary that he's able to do in an Elseworlds story, where we have these... Uh, not very cerebral, big budget, everyone's out there beating each other up, but in the background or interspersed throughout this story that's going on, there are these little one-off tales that go on, like uh, a couple issues back, there was one about Superman, and it's it's probably one of the better ones that uh, a lot of traditionalists for Superman would really like, and it, it had a lot to do with how, yes, they're the city of tomorrow, and Superman's pulling them into the future, but they need that man of yesterday as well to kind of keep them grounded. And it's, it's that kind of commentary that kind of elevates it above the, the big blockbuster summer schlock that I think a lot of people have written it off for. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and, and you cannot deny the reaction. It's been a ridiculous success uh, uh, for DC. And the reaction to it and the reaction you see thrown Tom Taylor's way on, on Twitter is really amazing the people who the reaction to that book it's very well deserved i really was just reading it as a guilty pleasure to start off with start off with because i was playing the game and it, mm-hmm. it's a buck a week so i was like hey i'll just keep up with this yeah. it's a, a common interest that it ties into multiple things and over the last uh what's it been about six months now yeah almost yeah, yeah he's he's done a great job in uh crafting a story and uh really kind of exploring more how the characters would react to this type of situation occurring more than the, okay, we're all going to punch each other in the face and round two, let's go. So uh, kudos, honestly, from me to him. Yeah. My question for you, Sean, is I read probably the first like 15 or so digital issues. uh, And I liked the story. My one criticism was I felt like the art was inconsistent and sometimes subpar because they were changing artists a lot, wildly different styles from week to week. Has that evened out at all, or is it still... It has evened out in the last four to five. They've okay. been, uh, I believe it's been Tom Derenick for the last couple in a row now. Mm-hmm. It's it's at least maintaining the same style. It's it's still simplistic because it, it's meant for that iPad, or yeah. it's it's just very... It's designed, obviously, for a digital consumption. It, and very I'll just quick. leave it that way. It's very quick as well, you know, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I mean, quickly. it's very large panels, very... Uh, yeah. Uh, descriptive in the way that they, they're laid out so that way you can just basically zoom in and just enjoy that big panel just mm-hmm. staring at you in the face. Yeah. But uh, yeah, recently it has evened out there, at least maintaining a solid style throughout. Yeah, because that was my main issue. It's just every issue would be a different artist and be wildly different and some of them would be much better than others. And so I'd be finding myself wishing for that last artist when this new artist was on there and then vice versa. So... Honestly, it seemed like the success of it just caught them off guard, too. Yeah, I bet it did. I think it absolutely did. Um, cool. So, cool show for Injustice. What else you got for us, Sean? Uh, I also have, uh, obviously, the uh, uh, Forever Evil I'll get to in a second here. Right. But uh, I, I do also want to mention uh, Justice League of America 7.1 Deadshot. Okay. Not very many people talking about this one. And it, it, it's understandable. It's It has some issues as far as the 
art. They had four or five artists yeah, on this one book. book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's very inconsistent. But this is Matt Kent was mm-hmm. uh, doing the writing for this one, and yeah. I, I really enjoy a lot of his work. Uh, he, it was mostly an origin story mm-hmm. for Deadshot, but the way it was crafted, it's very uh, natural, I guess. Mm-hmm. The the explanation for why Deadshot became Deadshot and what his shtick is is very fitting. It, it all is just seamless. It matches up with the character in the present where he's kind of that morally gray. He's a bad guy through and through, but he's not a complete bad guy, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There are worse. We'll just leave it at that. There are worse people out there than Deadshot. There are. Floyd is not the worst of all the bad guys. No. No. Um, as I said, the art is is a little weak, but it also sets up the Suicide Squad, which is a honestly a pretty integral part to this whole forever evil. Yeah, You it would is. think they would have a very large role, and it appears they are going to have a lot of FaceTime mm-hmm. coming up. So it, it lays a lot of the groundwork for them. Yeah, and with him taking over, at least for a while, on Suicide Squad, that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. I love Deadshot. Uh, I've always loved that character. Uh, I did like it. It was one of those things where I I liked getting the origin story. Uh, I did feel like it was more set up than story, though. You know, there there isn't a lot of movement in the issue, and that's fine. Obviously, you want people who do not read these books to be able to pick up, oh, I, I remember Deadshot from the Justice League cartoon. Let me pick this up and check it out. And for that purpose, I think it works great. And it leads into other things, but as someone who knows the character and wanted a new story, that was it was a little rough for me. Now, was that his original uh, origin, as I'm, far as the, his reasoning for becoming an assassin and everything? I think so, but don't quote me on that. I'm sketchy on his origin. Gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, it's very true to his character because it, it is, was, and it was funny because the guy at the uh, the demo today was talking about Deadshot, and he was like, you know, the thing about him is he's the He's the best marksman in the world, the world's best sniper, but he has a self-destructive streak because he's everything comes so easy to him that he tries to do all of this, you know, uh, complicated stuff and gets himself in trouble, and that is very much alive in the spirit of this character. Uh, Most here. definitely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, finally, else? obviously, we Forever. have to mention it. Forever Evil number one. Yeah, we'll definitely... I, I want to save that for the end of the Book of the Week segment. We're definitely going to talk about it. Yeah, that's that's why I just said that's on there as well. That's my Book of the Week, so yeah. we'll get to that one. We'll definitely talk about that. We'll definitely, definitely talk about that because it's, you know, of, it's uh, one of the triumvirate of events that came out this week and it definitely needs to be talked about. Um, Steve, what do you got for us? I got a whole bunch of books this week. Oh, boy. Bobby. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I went on, uh, I'm doing a little bit of catch up, but I went on a kind of a lots of books within one thing, uh, reading spree. One of the things that I caught up with this week was Aquaman Mm -hmm. after all the talk. And then I come to find out that Mr. Jeff Johns, uh, will be leaving the book. Spoiler for newsletter. Sorry. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I, it's, you know, I, I think I enjoyed the, uh, what is it? The Battle of Atlantis or uh, Throne, Throne of Atlantis? Throne of Atlantis. Atlantis. I think I enjoyed that a little bit uh, more than the arc that's going on now, but it is still a very high caliber book, both in art and writing. Uh, I don't want to talk about it for too long because I got a couple books here, but uh, particularly issue number twenty-three, uh, they were in the you know in the news a lot with married couples. Are they? Are they not? There's a really, really sweet moment shared between Arthur and Mera. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And uh, it just, with everything going on in the news, you know, they were in my mind. That was the reason why I picked up mm-hmm. Aquaman was because I wanted to see how their relationship was being treated mm. inside the comic, and if they ever really do put a label on things. Mm-hmm. And they don't. But it's one of those things where it's it's just understood. And the way that this arc is going is that it is very much about whether they are together or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really, I'm, I'm still really enjoying it. And Aquaman um, hits that other guy with the giant boat yeah. at one point. Which, which you can awesome. never go wrong with. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, just a absolutely tremendous title from Jeff Johns, yeah. from a character that no one ever expected mm-hmm. to come out of, you know, the, the laughable hole mm-hmm. that he was in before uh, this DC New 52. And he's definitely one of the... It's funny that he's a breakout character mm-hmm. for a character that's been so around the characters forever. Whole, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Uh, read it. It's awesome. Uh, sticking with Forever Evil... I'll talk about the Joker, uh, number one, for just a moment. I don't want to go on about it because I know there are a couple people that enjoyed it. Uh, Unfortunately, I did not. I know that when we were going over the uh, writers and artists of these, you know, these mystery creators of these uh, Forever Evil books that are coming out this month, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be cool Hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no. (laughs) Uh, It just, my, my gripe with it is that, and, you know, I can't tell anyone the what story they should or shouldn't write but this was not the story that i would have told if i had one chance to tell a joker story uh essentially it's the joker um he he acquires uh an ape that he ends up naming jack and apes and it's okay i like it so far yeah it's (laughs) his it's like a like a father and son his raising this ape to commit crimes and Mm -hmm. and do things and but there, the art was a little funny. There were a lot of silly faces from the Joker that I didn't care for, uh, and just some of the dialogue. It didn't. I feel I didn't feel like it was coming from him. Mm-hmm. Um, the the quote unquote voice of the Joker just was not hitting for me mm-hmm. uh, at all. I thought he completely captured Jack and Apes and his personality, though. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's that's also oh. up for debate. Sean, what did you think of the Joker book? Uh, it, it was, it's a, I, I'm trying not to be negative. That's not my personality. It's <laughs> it's the it was a tight race between that and Bizarro as far as my uh, hardest to get into this week. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing. I wanted to, I wanted to love it. I really yeah. did. I want. I was I was excited. It's like you know ah oh, Joker. Yeah. You know an old school Joker story. Yeah. Let's go. And it was just you know. Eh, really mm-hmm. but or whatever gotcha um sheltered is uh number three came out this week still really awesome if you haven't jumped on this series i recommend it uh it's very uh it's very tense mm-hmm. it's a really good story uh definitely check it out lazarus was also very good uh i'm sure we'll talk a little bit about battle of the atom i'm going to quickly get to my books because i'm taking forever uh awesome 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 was uh deadpool kills deadpool number three I read this inside of the uh, store when we were all getting our new books, and I don't think that there's a single page that I didn't laugh my ass off wow. uh, reading. I I don't know if it's because it's Colin Bunn. I, en- I enjoy the other Deadpool series, but 
this is doing it for me so much more so than the other. I've actually dropped the other from my pull list uh, recently just because there's too damn many of them. Mm-hmm. They come out every two weeks. Yeah. It's just it's a double ship book that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. But uh, this has been really solid. And number three of Deadpool Kills Deadpool is definitely my favorite issue. Uh, one of the the biggest highlights of this, I'm not going to tell you all the Deadpools that show up. The, the story of Deadpool Kills Deadpool is that uh, a watcher comes and the watcher's job, this particular watcher, it's his job to watch all the different Deadpools that exist yeah. within all the different multiverses. And he's like a Deadpool super fan. Right. Oh. <laughs> and they've all they've all come to kill the, you know, the original mm-hmm. uh Deadpool. And the this stupid amount of Deadpool characters that mm. show up. You have, you know, Panda Pool yeah. or Dead Panda or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> Um, I oh God, I could go on and on, but yeah. I don't want to spoil it. It's a lot of fun. If you're a Deadpool fan or you're kind of looking to get into Deadpool, it's it's a quick. It's going to be a quick little story. It's a lot of fun. Super super funny. Mm. Uh, I like I said, I laughed my ass off. There was at least one thing on every page that got a an out loud laugh from mm. me, which is rare. I recommend you go back and read if you haven't read them. Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe and Deadpool Illustrated. Yeah, because they're in that they're like a series, basically a series of mini series, uh, all by Cullen Bunn, okay. and uh, they all have that same tone. I think you'd like them. Indeed. Uh, are we talking about Dark Side? You can talk about it. All right. Um, I thought it was decent. I didn't. I I've never read anything. Uh, am I saying it right? Dark Side, Dark Sea, Dark Side, Dark Side. All right. Dark side. All right. Remember, I got yelled at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it was cool. It. I mean, I'm I'm glad to have read it. It definitely doesn't stand out for me. Mm-hmm. I, it was, um, I bought it more or less so that I could get introduced to the character. Mm-hmm. He's definitely, I liked his origin story. His origin story was very cool. I've, I yeah. really liked that a lot. Yeah, I really, um, I had no idea where he came from, mm-hmm. who he was. So watching his progression and having it turn out to be very much an origin issue for the character was perfect mm-hmm. for me because that's exactly what I wanted or what I was hoping for. Yeah. If it was just a random dark side encounter, I probably would not have en- enjoyed mm-hmm. it as much. Yeah, Steve, um, are you reading uh, Batman Superman as well? I am one issue behind, but yes, I am reading it. Yeah, because that's playing a lot into the. This was basically Batman Superman. Yeah, three point one or four point one. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. yeah, that's one of those. That's one of those series. I mean, there's only three that I need to mm. sit down. I need to read one and two, mm. and then read three again because it's been, you know, it's been at least a month or so, mm. and uh, with everything going on, it's just it's kind of falling away from me. Mm. But um, my book, um, my book or series of the week, I'm gonna go for it because I read so much of it this week. Uh, I read Wolverine and the X-Men. I uh, Back in the day, I used to champion this book almost every podcast because it was just coming out every damn week because there's so many of them. And uh, I finally caught up with it. I read issues 19 to 35 uh, this week. And I'm happy to say that it's still really good. Uh, you got to... you got I My thing with this series is, and I was talking about this with Bobby on the on the train when we were coming home from the Warner Brothers event is I like where it puts you in the X-Men universe. I like the idea of the Jean Grey school and that we get to interact with a bunch of uh, X-Men or, or, you know, kid X-Men that you don't get to see in other books, that it's this outside of all of the big characters kind of thing. You still have big characters, they're teachers and they're they're coming in and out of these stories but the primary focus is on these children 
And at one point, uh, you get to see this, you know, future of the X-Men story that they, they bury a time capsule at one of Wolverine's, you know, thank God we survived this event speeches. <laughs> and they all decide to throw something into this time capsule and, you know, the next page, it's 25 years later, and they forgot that they even buried it. And it brings back a flood of memories to the staff at the school. And you essentially get to see everyone 25 years later. So you get to see all of these children that don't know really yet how to use their powers. They're still very, uh, there's a lot of misfit characters there's a lot of kids that don't necessarily want to be there. They still haven't decided whether they want to be good or they want to be villains yet. And in this particular issue, you get to see where everybody's at. And, you know, you have somebody who there's a character called Eye Boy who basically has his eyes all over his body that are psychically linked so he could see all these different, you know, facets of life and, and you know, telepathically speaking and stuff like that. And in this issue, you get to see him 25 years later that he's still at the school, he works there, and now he's he's now I man. He's no longer I boy. He's mm-hmm. grown up. His powers have matured. Uh, he's gone through somewhat of like a like a like an evolution kind of thing. And you now get to see that not only did he hone his powers, but he's he's got new powers, and they're quite cool. Mm. And what it did for me that particular issue was it just it painted a picture of me for me that these could very well be characters that will show up later or will be in the, you know, the Marvel universe for years to come. And this series is kind of their, their origin. Mm -hmm. And so I just, there's a lot of the kids that I've, I've grown attached to. And I really, I really enjoy reading. Um, One of my quickly growing to be one of my favorite X-Men characters of all time uh, is Quentin choir. His, his arc as a, you know, a badass, uh, completely flipping off the faculty and not listening to a word, causing trouble everywhere. He is, to, whether he's aware of it or not, he's slowly but surely becoming uh, a hero and not just a hero, but a, a leader type of hero that I wouldn't be surprised if later on, a couple of years from now or whatever, uh, we see him as part of one of the main teams a little bit later, just taking a much, a much more prominent role in the X-Universe. He's a Omega-level mutant, and he's got a lot of layers to him, and I, I just really, really enjoy watching him grow as a character. And what he's involved in right now, or what was involved in with the uh, the Hellfire saga that was, was happening, is some really, really, really great stuff uh, from Jason Aaron and from Quentin Choir, and if you're at all, you know, interested in introducing yourself to some truly strange X-Men and X-Men that might be around for some time, uh, you can get familiar with them in Wolverine and the X-Men. It's a top-notch series, so check it out. There's a lot of it, but you know, yeah, there is fr- a lot of make it. friends yeah. and. And, you know, borrow shit. It's been going on for, like, two years, and there's, like, 30-something 30 35. Issues? Yeah. 35 wow. issues. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of them. Um, awesome. Awesome. Uh, we'll speak. We'll talk about this first, since you just brought Wolverine the X-Men up. Um, I will start picking it up, because it's part of the Battle of the Atom uh, X-Men crossover that that's happening right now uh, between all-new X-Men, uh, Uncanny X-Men, X-Men, 
mm. and Wolverine the X-Men. Um, written by all these respective writers, Brian Michael Bendis, Brian Wood, and Jason Aaron. Uh, and in grand X-Men fashion, this is a time travel story, uh, which seems to be the the vogue of the Marvel Universe right now as far as the fallout and what's been happening. Um, and it's, it's very much spurred by the fact that um, basically what happens is they go, okay, we got a young Scott almost dies and in in the future so that means old scott it almost dies and is almost wiped out of existence so that basically is the moment where they go okay that's it like you guys we, we got to send you back you cannot stay here anymore we were stupid for doing it this is ridiculous uh, and in the process of trying to send them back um another team shows up from the future um made up of various x-men and uh, we get this very, um, very days of future past-ish, you have no idea how bad it's gonna get, we have to stop you from doing this thing, uh, because if you don't do this thing, the world's gonna be trashed, basically, is the, is the story. Uh, and that's the basic premise, and it just came out last week, and I don't want to ruin some of the rather big story, uh, spoilers that occur, here. Thank you very much. My place sold out, so I'm waiting until this week to get my yeah, copy. Yeah, we will not spoil those things. Uh, I will say, though, that I abs- I loved it. Um, uh, I loved both issues. Mm-hmm. I thought the way they tied together w- was great, and I-, I love the tone and tenor of it. I love that it's not about... There- I mean, there is a big battle in it, wherein we finally get uh, some reconnection between this the disparate X-Men teams, and some different reactions than you might expect from characters. Uh, but and Dragons, I love. I loved the way that Kitty dealt with older Scott being back, mm-hmm. um, and this idea that no matter how mad you are at someone you love, there's still somebody that you love. So there's still going to be happiness when when you see them, and you're able to. Your the fight ends between you two, and you're you're fighting alongside each other again. Uh, there, there's great moments with that. And, uh, the last page of the second part is like, mm-hmm. holy shit. <laughs> so, um, very much looking forward to, to what we get going forward. What about you, Steve? Uh, I'm, I'm also loving it quite a bit. Uh, I think the, the art in particular is beautiful. I believe that, uh, Frank Cho was on the chapter one yes. and Stuart Eminen on part two. Yeah. Uh, both very complimentary styles. The colors are spectacular. Some really, really nice, uh, you know, panels and sequences. But uh, above all else, and for people that know me, that know me from the show, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But <laughs> somebody shows up from the future in this book that I lost my shit when <laughs> this character. I knew exactly who she was. When she showed up on the page, and it's a good thing that I was alone, because if anybody else was in the house with me, they would have thought that I was crying <laughs> bloody murder. I flipped out. So I won't tell you who it is. If you've read it, you know. And if you don't, you better learn. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love the reaction of um, the, when Beast is one of it, the reaction to Beast's like, time travel abuse. They're yeah. like, you didn't learn? 
again you know there's a great interaction between them and the way they go uh i i absolutely loved it and, and this is my first x-men crossover that i've been involved in obviously they have a long history of them um which has continued for years and years and years so i'm excited to be uh part of this one i'm guessing bob you're not reading it Mm-mm. okay uh just wanted to make sure i didn't want to leave you out if you if you, nope. if you had read it uh so yeah battle the atom i absolutely i absolutely loved it um we're gonna talk about forever evil later obviously uh, Superior Spider-Man uh, number seventeen, uh, the introduction of Spider-Man twenty ninety nine uh, back into the universe. Um, the thing I love the most about this issue is it reads like I'm reading an issue of the Peter David run from oh. the year. Uh, it's written the same way. It has the same uh, jazzy. It's, yeah, you know, it's 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 very poppy. It. it you know, it's a shocking good time. He uses all those words to to, to uh, you know uh, supplant curses in, in in their in their universe. And you know, Miguel reads like Miguel, and uh, I I love that. Um, we get to see some of the seeds of uh, uh, Alchemex in, in the in the current uh, Marvel six one six, and you know the. <laughs> The idea of, uh, you know, there's a problem with the time stream. Things are breaking apart. And Miguel goes to the place and he's like, he's like, well, whose fault it is? Like, whose fault do you think it is? He's like, the heroic age. He's like, what's wrong with these guys? They're always messing with everything, you know? <laughs> so uh, that stuff was really good. Loved it. I loved the way it left off. I can't wait to see um, the, the next issue. Uh, and I love the way Ryan Stegman draws uh, yeah. Spider-Man 2099. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, villains one for me, green arrow, number 23.1. Uh, one of these books I was talking about before a book I was mentioning before that doesn't nothing to do with forever evil. Uh, we're talking about count vertigo here. It really follows the events directly off of the last issue of green arrow. It's very much the next in the Mamira and Sorrentino series, um, follows the origin of count, count vertigo and, um, kind of, as a moment of not pathos, because pathos would say something good, you know, and this is a villain kind of uh, closing his loop as far as the things that made him who he is, but doesn't make him any better. It makes him even more evil than what he's doing. Oh. Uh, the Sorrentino art is gorgeous and works so well with his Count Vertigo character. The way he's able to show this a, a person so off balance and the way he visually shows uh, Count Vertigo you know, sending his powers out into the world. Really, really, really love that stuff. It's a very dark story, obviously, um, but really, really enjoyable. Sean, are you reading this book? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's it's absolutely absolutely stunning. Mm. Uh, he's really turned around this title. Both of them have yeah. from uh, where it was prior to them coming on. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's one of those ones, Sean, like you talked about. Nothing to do with Villains Month, uh, but I think it was the right story to tell here. It was. It really was. And plus those outsider titles that are coming up soon. Oof. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Trillium. Uh, this is, I guess, the Jeff... I didn't even realize that. Both Jeff Lemire yeah. books. Yeah. I didn't... I actually didn't get to read Trillium. Uh, Trillium number two. Uh, not the same gimmick as far as... Uh, and I, I don't mean gimmick in a pejorative term mm-hmm. at all, but uh, of the two stories kind of meeting in the middle and flipping the book over... This one dealt in the fact that they're meet, they're, they've met, but they don't speak the same language. Um, and it deals with like one of them saying one thing, one of them saying something, and you're getting two sides of the same conversation, but they can't understand each other. And it's, it's frustrating for both of them. It's frustrating for the reader. 
But then there's this one moment, there's this one thing that they understand, and it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. It's really affecting. You know, the series continues to be great. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about it in the future, and I've talked about it so much already. But it definitely kept up uh, with the momentum that it made in the first issue. Bully! Nothing? (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, so... Um, you can't follow that. Who doesn't love that term? Uh, forever evil, number one. Um, yeah. Here we go. Uh, it is my book of the week as well. Uh, it is absolutely my book of the week. It is the favorite thing I read in a week where I loved a lot of the books that I read. There was a, a very good run this week uh, of reading the major titles. Um, so, again, like we said last week, guys, we talked about the end of Trinity War in a kind of a spoiler section here. Um, we will probably do a spoiler section about Forever Evil at the end of this conversation, but know that when we talk about Forever Evil, the, the status quo in the DC Universe has changed, and we're going to spoil stuff that happened in Trinity War, because we, we can't talk about Forever Evil without really talking about the fallout of Trinity War. It's just, it's well, just... I can easily do that. Jeff Johns built a black castle, and now... He's being the bully and coming in and kicking it over. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the, at the, after the events of Trinity War, where we see the crime syndicate return, or for the first time, guys, New 52, come to the, the main Earth, um, they have made the claim that the Justice League is dead and that the world is theirs. And it seems to be that way. The, they are taking over all the major systems in, 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 uh, on Earth. They have, you know blacked out metropolis and gotham and you know all the major cities in the dcu they've collected all the villains together and they're beginning to you know make their play uh for the dc universe uh sean we know you loved it obviously book of the week uh what did you love about it um honestly it's a as i i joked where i said he built the little black castle but that's really what it is it's a Mm. It has cojones where they're not afraid to come in and make a huge sweeping status quo change like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reeks of gimmick. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It, it does. But it, the way the story is told, it is. it has a lot of bravado in the fact that, okay, we established the heroes. We've actually brought them together. We've actually created this tight-knit universe now. Well, tight-knit is, you know, mm. arguable in a lot of mm-hmm. cases, but... Uh, where people are actually aware of each other's existences and they're associating with one another. And now it's just all tossed out the window. And if anything, that should almost allow them to almost have a fresh start again, Mm. again, (laughs) (laughs) again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously it's a big sweeping storyline so gimmick is a word you can absolutely use because they've gotten rid of the heroes and supplanted villains in their place so i but i think the word gimmick only really deserves to be used if the story isn't pulled off exactly and and i feel like john's at least this first issue we're only an issue in pulls it off um i'm a big fan of jeff johns i'm a big fan of his event writing especially i like the way he goes about it and here he's dealing with lesser known characters that have not uh, have are not used a lot haven't been used in a very long time and that is when he's at his best his lex luther here is fantastic i love it uh i love the layered uh way he is put together i love that you know in one hand he's threatening to 
you know, throw a corporate rival out of a helicopter. And in the next one, when the world is threatened, he goes, where the hell is Superman? You know, basically that's, you know, he, he is a man who wants to rule the world. He does not want the world ruled by someone else. That's not him. He has no interest in that, you know, and he wants to rule the world because he thinks he can rule it best. He doesn't want some group coming in and taking it over. So I like that about that character. Um, we we see hints and glimpses of the crime syndicate here. We don't get a ton of time with them. Uh, we do get you know we get a we get an illustration of all their powers. Uh, we get uh, Ultraman snorting kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, that was a very uh, yeah again brave scene. I, I yeah. wouldn't have expected to see that in a comic book before um, I started reading. Uh, all he has to do is be exposed. Or at least yeah, he previously. he like he like melts it with his eyes and mm-hmm. snorts it. Yeah, um, the only thing he's missing is a spoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and that section leads to a little bit of mystery behind it because it seems like he doesn't want other people to uh, the other members of the syndicate to know that he is gaining more power Gain each time. It's more yeah. Power. So there's stuff going on there. Um, there is this allegiance going on with the different villains and who are they going to align with and are they going to go with the, this new group or are they going to go on their own or are they going to rebel? And they um, can't even get along with one another, even if they are on the same side. Exactly, because they're all villains. They're not used to working together. <laughs> uh, we get some good stuff with the rogues, um, the Flash rogues there. And um, it's funny. I liked pretty much everything about the book. Uh, but it's funny. One of my favorite things, I mean, my favorite moment of the entire book is such a fanboy thing. It's that when they, they, there's a shot of the Teen Titans, and one of the characters turns to Tim Drake and she goes, Robin, that's not really true, is it? And I squeed a little bit because she called him Robin because he's not, <laughs> has not been, he's currently not Robin in the new 52. I got yes. very happy, very, very happy about that. Um, obviously big stuff with, with Dick Grayson and we knew that was coming because it's been advertised for a while. We don't know what it is. I'm not going to say what it is, but we get a big revelation with him. Um, Which has huge ramifications huge ramifications. the DCU. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. So we will see what happens there. Um, but I... I really did love it. Steve. <laughs> what is there left to say? No, but what are your opinions on it, though? Uh, I, I really liked it. Mm. I did. I really liked it. I didn't... Uh, I won't say that I didn't expect to like it, but I didn't know what to expect. Mm. So, uh, you know, I go back and forth on DC books. I would say I was not... I was not excited for Forever Evil. Mm. I was more curious than anything else, but wound up really, really enjoying it. Really, uh, just enjoying the the position that it's in, and the I guess the grandeur mm-hmm. of it. Uh, that I don't know if that's a spoiler, but there's a you know there's a group shot mm-hmm. of all the villains uh, in one place, and it's just. I mean, I could sit there and I could stare at it mm-hmm. for twenty minutes, and you know, pick out everybody and try to name them and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, the Lex Luthor stuff, I think, is fantastic. I think even though it's just in the one issue, it's uh, some of the best Luther stuff that I've read. Not that it's been much, mm. but it's I love the way that he you have this really, really super, super slimy and sinister scene with him in the beginning of the book. And by the end, I mean, he's he's literally brought to his knees mm-hmm. and, you know, wondering what the hell happened mm. And I I love the idea that everyone is in this place with the exception of him, mm-hmm. that he is going to kind of be our 
conduit to the mystery of what happened to the other side. Mm-hmm. And in order to preserve his reign, he's got to go and solve this mystery and figure out, you know, who who is going to be left that isn't at this group meeting that he's going to be able to to get to help him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's for our first issue. I, I think it's very exciting, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely on board for the rest of it. It is kind of it's making up for the some of the villains month like the villains month issues that fell flat for me. Mm-hmm. That I'm surprised that they're not they're not tainting this for me. Like not even not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean there you go. I'm I'm on board. Okay. My one criticism of the book is simply that. David Finch's art—not that it's—he's not a great artist, but it's just—it's hit or miss for me. There are times where I think it looks fantastic, and times where it's just either too bulky or their faces look too much like they're made of clay or something. I don't know. There's just times where it doesn't work for me. And I know I've received multiple comments on my own show about his uh, shadow work. He's very reliant on it of late as well. Yeah, I mean, I there are times where listen, it looks great. Absolutely. It does. It does. It's it's really a matter of how that panel is staged. Exactly. And, and exactly. it really will either look great or it's going to... Yeah, yeah it, exactly. And that that's the only thing. I think he does really good Captain Cold. I'll say that. I, I love the Captain Cold stuff throughout the book. You can never do Captain Cold wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So that's my only criticism of the book. But it's not enough to doctor my enjoyment of it all. It's just thing. And that's going to lead us... That's the end of the book of the week. And that's going to lead us... Um, to our break and to what we're talking about after this and the real shame of everything which is I loved Forever Evil Steve really loved it Sean really loved it but that's not the biggest story coming out of DC this week um, and we're going to address those situations after the break We are back, and we will be getting to the big news of the week in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, let's start out with some normal news. The sales figures came out uh, this week for August, Cha-ching. and I wanted to ooh, I wanted to run down a little <laughs> bit. Um, so number one, no surprise here, Infinity uh, number one, uh, two hundred and five thousand copies. Well played, uh, Marvel. Yeah, number two. Uh, Number two is Superman Unchained. Number three at 136,000. Number three, Batman. Number 23 at 128,000. And number four. Good for Scott Snyder. Yeah, Scott Snyder is. uh, He's got a little clout going on. Uh, Number four is Justice League. Number 23 at 103,000. And Justice League of America. Number seven. uh, It was at 93,000. Uh, number six, Batman Superman, number three, at 87,000. Number seven and eight are owned by the Superior Spider-Man, both at about 78,000. Uh, number nine, Avengers, at 74,000. And number 10, all new X-Men, at 73,000. Um, a couple you know, more notable spots, Walking Dead, number 113, 70,000. Um, we've got... Interesting enough, Justice League Dark, which was tied in with the Trinity War, got up to 64,000 uh, oh, wow. this past week. 
Interesting, though, only the fact that about 30,000 less people picked it up than picked up the other two books in the event, which were the Just League of America and Just League books. Hmm. So it's interesting to me that people got two parts of it and didn't get the third. It's hmm. it's it's interesting to me. Um, let's see. Uh, X-Men number four at 64,000. Um, holding them pretty well still. Yeah, holding pretty well. Uh, Saga on its return, 55,000, coming at number 22. I would uh, safely call that award-winning. Yeah, award-winning coming saga, who just won about every award possible. Cleaned up at the Harveys this past weekend. Won a Hugo Award, too. Hugo Award as well. So it's just everything. Won Eisner's, Hugo Awards, Harvey Awards. It's just all over the place. Didn't it win stuff last year as well? Uh, No, I don't think it was eligible for stuff last year. Yeah, I think it came in right at the tail end. It wasn't able to get in there. One for us, though. Yeah, one for us. Oh right, the, the awards that matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> please. How, how could Come I? Have, how could yeah. I have made the mistake? The Talking Comics <laughs> Awards, um, twenty five and twenty six are owned by Deadpool, who both if, uh, about forty five thousand each. Uh, there, um, we mentioned Aquaman, Aquaman before. It's at number thirty one with forty four thousand. Um, Deadpool kills kills Deadpool forty one thousand. Nice. So uh, three books Deadpool has over forty thousand. Uh, sellers, so forty-one thousand people were laughing along with me. It's true. It was it's selling pretty pretty well. Um, more indie stuff. Star Wars is the number forty-four comic with thirty-eight thousand. That's a nice number. It is very yeah, nice. Yeah, that's number. hanging on a lot better than I thought it would have. Yeah, it's doing very well. East of West continues to sell well. Thirty-six thousand for number five. Um, let's see what else we got here that's notable. Um, let's see. Uh, Psychic number one and uh, Trillium number one both came in at about twenty-seven thousand, which are very good numbers. Uh, for, for those books. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, and Bob was mentioning as well here. He mentioned this before we got, came on the air, but both Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble got a nice boost uh, from their Infinity tie-ins. Yeah, each up uh, four thousand copies. So yeah. Nice, solid, I think 17, 18% rise on both. Hopefully it keeps some of those listeners, mm-hmm. uh, those listeners, those readers, uh, after the fact. Um, and uh, let's see, what was the, uh, let's see, what the last number, the 377th best-selling comic, which is the last one on the list. I probably bought it. Which doesn't even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fearless Dawn in Outer Space, one shot from Asylum. Nope. Sold two thousand copies. Um, That's all right. The green team sold eight thousand. But you don't buy that. But, um, no, but the I, movement didn't sell I, much better. No, that's down to eleven. Yeah. Um, There's some very good books down here though that aren't selling very well. Lazarus is not selling well at all. Uh, Four thousand copies for its second issue. Seriously? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Um, which is a big shame. Um, it sold less than the month before's issue of Justice League. So it's a good book too. It's a very very good book. Um, yeah, Gail Simone's. Oh, that's not Gail Simone. Sorry, that's the other Red Sonia. Not not selling yep. so hot. Um, yeah. So uh, overall, it was a down a, a down month, but that's because there's only four weeks, four weeks this month compared to the five uh, that we had um, last last month. Uh, but overall, still obviously the the. The top ten, very big numbers, some very respectable showings by some uh, some very popular indie books. Hmm. So obviously, uh, overall, healthy, healthy hmm. industry. I wonder what there. the problem with Lazarus is because I mean, Greg Rucka is a pretty known writer, and as far as advertisement goes, I, that was everywhere. It just may be sheer competition too. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's it's good. It's very good. Yeah, um, but it did not get. It doesn't get the pop. 
yeah. that a book like Saga gets or some of the other um, successful indies. Maybe people yeah. are waiting for trade. Yeah, they could be waiting for trade. Or I just think that people don't know what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so a shame on that. I, I don't know what... I, I'm, I think with Image, it kind of happens that it's kind of you can, you know, because it's creator-owned, it's kind of you can keep making it until you don't want to make it anymore. If you're not making money, that's not our business. But, right. you know, so we'll see how long uh, that book ends up going. Um, let's see here. Uh, so we put it off for the first story, but now let, let's let's dive in. Um, I got my headgear and mouthpiece in. Go ahead, <laughs> beat me up. <laughs> um, so if you're a comic book fan, uh, there is no way you could have avoided this story. If you are... On the internet this past week, there's probably no way you could have avoided this story. Um, J.H. Williams and W. Hayden Blackman, the writers um, and sometimes artists uh, on on Batwoman, walked off the title uh, this past week over creative differences with DC. Um, You know, uh, J.H. Williams basically said we were tired of constantly getting switched around with the stories we were going to tell. We pitch a story, they they approve it, and then right before we're going to write that story or send it to the printer, they want us to change it. So we f- they feel like we cannot tell our stories. And he mentioned the fact that the story he was talking about was Kate Kane getting married to Maggie Sawyer, uh, her girlfriend and fiancé. Um, and this set off a firestorm of reaction uh, for a myriad of reasons, um, the largest of one was this jumping on this idea that this was DC saying that they were anti-gay marriage. Um, I don't even want to. We're not even going to bring up that point here because it's a it's a specious claim. There's nothing about it that's true. There's a lot of things to be upset about possibly here. That's not one of them. J.H. Williams himself said it had nothing to do um, with. Uh, with the fact that she was gay, it was just the idea that they don't want their characters getting married. And this weekend at Baltimore Comic Con, we got Dan Didio responding to the this um, outcry from fans. Uh, the, the the factual nature of this is this: J.H. Uh, Williams and Hayden Blackman were supposed to be done uh, after issue twenty six. That was the end of their story. Um, they're getting taken off the book and issue early. They will not be on issue 25. It will be written uh, by Mark Andreanko, who is um, going to be taking over. And the first issue is going to be a zero-year tie-in with Batwoman into, uh, obviously, that, that event that's happening over there in the Batman universe. Um, and uh, so uh, that that's the fact situation. But... I, I, what happened was Dan Didio was asked this question and he, I don't know if we want to read out the exact quote. I guess I should probably read out the exact mm-hmm. quote of what he said. Um, uh, um, she's, this is about Batwoman. Um, first he made sure to state that, listen, this is a character with its own openly gay character with an on its own ongoing solo series. And there isn't another one from a major publisher that's out there. And he's absolutely right about that. And DC deserves credit for that character being there. Um, 
in a very underserved section of, of, of the population and one that both publishers need to be better about. But then he says, she's clearly a member of the Bat family and that as a result, she shouldn't have a happy personal life. She's, she's committed to defending others at the sacrifice of personal instincts and personal lives. So it's important to establish their personal lives, but they have, but then they have to set them aside and, and heroes should not get married. That's basically what, what they said. The marriage is, is part of this. Um, uh, and this this obviously set off another firestorm with uh, with uh, you know a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of it was his tone. If you guys watch the YouTube video of this panel, uh, he seems incredibly angry that people are even asking him this question. <clears throat> there are more quotes to get to, and we will get to them as we go through this conversation. Um, it's it needs to be had, and I want to say right off the bat to people who are listening about uh, to us. Sometimes we are called DC bashers. This has nothing to do with the fact that it's 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 Detective Comics, you know, or it's it's DC. This is a company doing a certain thing, and we need to talk about it because we're a comic book podcast and we deal with these kind of issues. Um, so let let let's let's start out. Steve, give your impressions <laughs> of the situation. I get to go first. Huh? I get to go first. <laughs> well, I mean, I to, you know, I'm I'm not going to say too much in this conversation. If you, I talked about it for about 40 minutes the other day on yeah. the morning show. So, uh, Steve, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know what aspect of it to tackle first. Uh, I guess I'll talk about the marriage situation. Well, tell me this first. Yes. Does it upset you to see J.H. Williams and W. Hay Blackman off of Batwoman? Greatly. Okay. Greatly. Right. Uh, I am, I'm not familiar with the writer that's been announced. I'm not certain who will be doing art. I'm wondering, I mean, one of the, I was, when we first started talking comics, Mm. we all got assigned a certain amount of books to cover the DC 52. And one of the ones that I chose, not only did I choose it, but I actually called Bobby on the phone, which Mm. I hardly ever do. (laughs) And I said, did anybody take Batwoman yet? He mm. said, I don't think so. I said, well, she's mine. I want that book. That book was, uh, is, uh, to me, it's, it's a great series. But in the, in the beginning, I'm not caught up on it. But when I opened up that book and I saw how gothic it was, uh, how artful it was, it was a, it was a, 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 paranormal horror story inside of the bat universe in the DC 52. It was something to me personally, it was something so different and something that I hadn't seen. And you had Batwoman going up against this, this spectral being and it, it added a level of kind of urban, urban legend to Gotham and, and to the, the Batverse and the DC universe as a whole and I dug the shit out of it. Uh, and it was, I mean, largely, not even largely, in part wholly, in part to the team that was on that book. I'm not saying that who they put on the book won't do an admirable job, but these creators, um, particularly J.H., have, have been a part of Batwoman since her inception. Right? Am I correct? Well, yeah. Yeah. JH has been there since the start. Yeah. Okay. So to um, to 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 take, I mean, they walked. Okay. So they didn't they didn't rip them off the book, but 
they created a situation for you know for for their creators that they felt compelled to leave the book and to leave the story and it was announced that they would get to finish what they'd started they didn't get they won't get to tell the story they wanted they won't get to tell anything beyond that but they'll at least get to wrap up what's currently happening in the book and then it was announced that they would not get to do that that was where I I really kind of threw up my hands mm-hmm. and and became um, you know privately outraged. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone on Twitter and been all rah rah about mm-hmm. it because I just uh, for quite frankly with DC I just I don't have much energy left to uh, to hate on them and to to do all this do the the DC dance as I call it. Um, so yeah, I am I am very upset that they're, that they're going to be leaving the title. Uh, that definitely that title now hangs in the balance for me. Where that was definitely something that even if I wasn't reading it, that I was saving it for later. That I was still buying it uh, regardless mm-hmm. of not knowing what was going on in the story because of the creators, because of the world that they created for Kate, and because of the relationship that they had built with her and Maggie. Uh, I was very much into the book. I was into Kate. I was into Maggie. I was into their relationship. And the whole thing, my my key word for this whole situation would be disrespect. Um, I understand that they have a business to run and all of that that stuff that comes along that we try to remind people of all the time. Uh, that's all well and good. But this is a situation that's a little bit closer to me than usual with some of the DC news that comes out. And um, I am I'm just I'm greatly disappointed in in this shift. Yeah. Um, I want to give some more clarifying quotes just so everything is out there. This is the the initial statement that J.H. Williams made uh, and Blackman made on their blog jointly. In recent months, DC has asked us to alter or completely discard many longstanding storylines in ways that we feel compromise the character and the series. We were told to ditch plans for Killer Croc's origins, forced to drastically alter the original ending of our current arc, which would have defined Batwoman's heroic future in bold new ways, and most crushingly prohibited from ever showing Kate and Maggie actually getting married. All these editorial decisions came at the last minute and always after a year or more of planning and plotting on our end. We've always understood that as much as we love the character, Batwoman ultimately belongs to DC. However, the 11th hour nature of these changes left us frustrated and angry because they prevent us from telling the best stories we can. So after a lot of soul searching, we decided to leave the book after issue 26, right? Um, which is now obviously issue 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the new writer, Mark Andranko, Andranko, uh, he's writing it with sorry, the Jeremy Hahn is the new is the artist at least on issue twenty five. Um, he said, "I'm taking this job very seriously and I hope to do right by Kate, Maggie, Bet, Betty, and the rest of the cast. This all happened very quickly, so I'm trying to catch my breath and let it sink in. And I've already had great conversations with DC editor Mike Martz and can't wait to work with him again. I hope he will give my run a chance as I'm going to give it all, my all and try to live up to the work those great creators did before me." Um, I mean that's, I mean that's a very admirable mm-hmm. statement mm-hmm. from him, and you know I do wish him luck. I, I hope that he does the character and the title justice because I would love to continue reading it. Mm-hmm. You know I might, uh, I'm gonna try not to do one of those things where I'm like, well on principle I'm mm-hmm. not gonna buy. I'm I'm probably going to check it out at least for an issue or two to see what he does with it. Because um, there's 
there's I'm not saying that only JH uh and you know Blackman can write it and that's it. That's mm-hmm. that's not true, but right. I mean there's so many more aspects of this to talk about and if I go on for too long please stop me, mm-hmm. but um the I what struck me about the the Dan uh Didio thing was first of all his anger. Uh I didn't get to see the video, but I did hear the audio. Mm-hmm. And I could just, I could hear it in his voice. And I, I understand. I, I mean, I don't run a, uh, the big two, one of the big two. It's a tremendous job with tremendous pressures. And I'm sure that he deals with more shit than I've dealt with socially on a daily basis. But I, what I took away from his kind of his, his angry stance about the whole thing was he was kind of saying, I, I, I understand that he he's in charge of the universe, but this is the way that I see the Bat family. So this is the way that it's got to be. I don't like that. I don't like that because if you're giving creators these characters, I understand that within reason you wanna you wanna have a unity within the group and within the characters, but you gotta let them tell their story. And if to these, be, what's that? To play devil's advocate. Yeah. I'm sorry, to play devil's advocate with this whole thing. Uh, he's been kind of given free reign, though, for the last 20-odd issues. I mean, he's been let loose with all of the uh, tie-ins, all of the various events. He's never been pulled in. He's explicitly asked to keep himself separate. They, they allowed him to kind of run his own ship for so long, and it's kind of come to this thing at the end here where it's all blown up in DC's face, where no matter what they do, they want to try to maintain some control over this title still, and as soon as they put their foot down and say, sorry, we can't allow you to do this, everything just implodes on them. Right. But, I mean, for me, I mean, these are all just my personal thoughts. I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not taking that away from you. I'm just saying I'm right. devil's advocate, as but I was when saying he, when, when he tells me that, you know, marriages, marriages don't work out within comics or within, within his, his idea, like his universe that he, he wants, um, I call bullshit on that 110%. Uh, one of the shining examples of a marriage that does work and a marriage that is still uh, interesting and and there's love and there's mis- there's you know trust issues and there's growth is of course uh, Sue and Reed from Marvel for from, from Fantastic Four uh, to say that characters can't get married and then why did you let if this is how you feel why did you let them get engaged. Well, I mean, J.H. Williams did say it was, a, it was a really long, hard battle to even get that storyline put together. Um, I'm going to move on from you. I'm going to go to yeah. Bob and get his thoughts on the situation. Before you go, one thing I'll say. Reed and, C- Reed and Sue are a great example of a couple that works. Yep. The problem is they're one of the few that's longstanding and the few that has continued to work. Yeah, you, you know, have Storm Black Panther, Scott Summers, Gene Gray. So there's Mary a lot of Jane problems Peter there. Parker. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying that uh, that's Marvel does also still have Black Bolt and Medusa and Luke and Jessica. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Oh, yeah. DC yeah. has decided that well, first they blew up Earth Two, so all those long standing mm. marriages, Jay and Joan mm. and uh Alan and Molly, mm. they're all gone. Yeah, well well so is Iris and Barry, but all those things. Yeah, all those things Lois are gone. And Clark, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. Um but Bob, go ahead. No, no. There are so many issues here, and people are mad about all sorts of them in yeah. different ways and mm-hmm. lumped together however they'd like to choose, and everyone's right to do so. As you mentioned before, mm. certainly the lesbian, gay, bi, trans community is well underrepresented mm. at both companies. 
it is very easy to connect the dots mm-hmm. through that issue when you look at the you know the Orson Scott Scott Card mm-hmm. thing. Uh, the Alan's well, Green Lantern is gay. No, it's not that Green Lantern. Mm. Not the one from the movie, and it's not the other one either. It's mm. some new guy you've never heard of before. Mm. And we're going to kill his fiance in the same issue we introduce him. Yeah, which you, you mentioned gimmick. That's just a gimmick. Mm. That just smacks of gimmick. Right. But it, this is not that, and mm. we've heard that from the creators involved and the company. Yeah. And I have to take them at their word. Yeah. I understand why people are upset, and they should be. Mm. But not at this particular time for this particular issue. Yeah. This is a creator company interaction problem yeah. that is now apparently run rampant over there. Mm. When you, if you do the laundry list of everyone who's left citing similar problems, mm. you're looking at a creative industry. This is not baking rolls at, at the, the bakery in the mm. supermarket in the morning. Yeah. If he postulated to them, I want to do this, and it was two years ago, and you say at the last minute, no, you can't do that. And by the way, you can't finish your story either. Mm. It it is disrespect. It's the perfect mm. word to use, Steve. If, yeah. if you were if you were coaching, if you're Phil Jackson coaching the Chicago Bulls, Michael, you dribble a ball around. You do whatever you want for 47 minutes. Mm. Last minute of the game, game on the line. No, nope, you don't get the ball. Sorry, we're giving mm. it to Tony Kukoc. Mm. Uh, no, mm. you give someone the rope. You lead it out there. Do your job properly. We enjoy what you're doing. You're winning awards. People are really invested in your character. And we yank it away from the fans, mm-hmm. the creator. And then he, his surprise, it seems like, uh, Dan's, over this investment that people have in his character is stunning to me. Mm-hmm. And then when he makes the comments that you pointed out to me about, oh, now it will be exciting. Yeah, now there was a thing on Twitter. I want to I put this out. Uh, someone on Twitter uh, tweeted at, Dan Didio and said, all due respect, Dan, I think support would be making sure editors don't run off Eisner Award winners in the future. And Dan Didio says, Eisner or not, we need the books to be exciting, entertaining, and part of a shared universe. Um, this is where I think he gets into trouble right. with some of these comments because he's then attacking the people who have been fans right. of the book for a long time, not saying that what they've been reading has not been exciting and entertaining. Right. That's and he, has, he has an extra, there's an extra part of that quote from mm. another source. It, mm. It's a similar quote with an, with an addendum. Uh, Batwoman is going to become an integral part of Batman's universe mm. just the way we always wanted it. Right. We, mm. meaning the company. Yeah. It's their character. Yeah. But it is the investment they want. We, we talked about this off air uh, during the week. This is not you write the novel Wuthering Heights and people read the book or Room with mm. a View or any of the other great romantic novels or whatever and love them and embrace them and read them year after year. And you move on. You read mm. the book. You move on. This is a monthly purchase. You're hoping people to get invested in, mm-hmm. into the characters, the stories, the world. And, and we, well, I mentioned it. I hope you don't mind that I mentioned it here on air. When we had the Batgirl discussion when Gail was fired mm. for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and you guys were all sort of new to this. Mm. And it was, oh, it's a joke. It'll be a new writer. And it'll be fine. Mm. And for those of us who were fans of Gail and Barbara as a, as a unit... Mm-hmm. that we wanted that person telling that story. Mm-hmm. We trusted her to tell that story. You're seeing that now here. Mm-hmm. This this fella, J.H. Williams, this is his baby. Even mm-hmm. though Greg Rucker was yeah. on there too to start with, it has become in everyone's mind, it's J.H. Mm-hmm. Williams' book. Mm-hmm. It's that stunning art. It's the deep stories. It's the odd things going on. Whoever follows him is going to be looked at funny yeah. to start with. Mm-hmm. And it may, the book may not even survive. I wish DC would understand... The perception from not just us, we we hear this from fans yeah. who are up in arms. 
you need to treat these people a little differently. Yeah. This is the thing. It's when this about I guess a little over a year ago now, I think, when Rob Liefeld walked of Hawkman yes. and those other books. <laughs> And we all kind of laughed at him, right? We were kind of like, oh, Rob Liefeld, he's at it again, you know? And it turns out, I said this at the bottom of the week, he's like the Jose Canseco of these mm-hmm. issues, right? You know, Jose Canseco came out, like, everyone's on steroids, all this stuff is happening, and everyone laughed because no mm-hmm. one likes Jose Canseco. Rob Liefeld was like, there's some serious stuff wrong over there with editorial. And everyone laughed at him and, and was like, well, we, no one likes Rob Liefeld, so we're not going to take him seriously. Um and we've seen over and over again these people walk off their books. People who have, you know, young writers who have everything to gain from being on very high-profile books, walking away before their books come out, walking away um, after an issue is out. And uh, it here's the thing, and this is one thing I'll disagree with. Listen, Dan DiDeo, as the publisher at DC Comics... He gets to say what the Batman universe is, and what he, he, that's his responsibility, because in the end, it's his ass. If those books don't sell, it's his ass. The problem here is the way in which his information is imparted. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the problem is, like we said, a creator, and again, these guys are getting paid. J.H. Williams got paid to write and draw all these stories, even the ones that aren't going to be used. He got paid for. But... You're telling somebody here, spend a year of your life working on something that we approved. It's not like they didn't approve it. And at the last minute, we're going to take it away from you. And we're going to, and we're going to try to mold you into this kind of automaton to do what we want you to do. That's an issue. If they had said to JH two years ago, you can't do the storyline. I'm sure he would have found a way around it, you know, but it's the way in which things are going on. Cause listen, I'm sure at Marvel that Axel Alonso is like, no, you cannot do this. It has to be like this. I'm, it just seems like they're better about telling people and everyone being on the same page. I think that's the only difference yep. in the company. Communication. It's communication. Sean, well, it's I want also to... a self-feeding fire as well. I it mean, is. There's so many people out there that have already stepped out and done this. And I mean, yeah. Gail Simone is a perfect example. It came up. That entire thing happened. And this is all conjecture. This is mm-hmm. all, obviously. Her contract ended. She mm-hmm. was in negotiations for her contract. Mm-hmm. She was let go off the book and all of a sudden there was this whole big thing right in the middle of her contract negotiations mm-hmm. and then her contract was re-signed and she was brought back in. Mm-hmm. We, people have seen the reaction and what happens when the fans get incensed and write in and, yeah. and go insane with them. They can get what they want. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's almost as if where DC has learned, the creators over there have learned that if they, if they stamp their feet, people will jump up and down mm-hmm. as, as everyone does. It's it's people are invested in these characters, as you said, Bob. But there will be such an outrage whenever DC does anything that there's a chance they can get their way. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, George Perez didn't get his, and Kevin McGuire didn't get his, yeah, and Joshua Hill. Well, I'm not saying it works. His, so even that, I'm saying it works. Ten percent of the time, but yeah. even once—that's yeah. all it takes—is once for it to actually happen. Yeah. There's too much of a laundry list here to me. Yeah, this is too much evidence pointing toward a a systemic failure. Yeah. In getting their message across. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at the last few months. You look at Andy Diggle walking yeah. away. Joshua Hale Fialkov walking away. James Robinson. But how many writers' rooms have turnover for television shows? I mean, that's a no, equal it's absolutely No, it's absolutely true. However, um, when you have a writer like Joshua Hale Fialkov, who has everything to gain from being the writer on a Green Lantern book. You know, Joshua Hale Fialkov is not Jeff Johns. He's not Scott Snyder. He's not Gail Simone. He's not J.H. Williams. 
You know, he's not somebody who has a guaranteed job, you know, whenever, whenever he wants to get it. Um, so there is an aspect of this where, yes, there, there, there does seem to be this thing where these guys don't like what's going on and they talk about it and they get the people they know like them more than the corporate structure to, to clamor for them. However, I don't think that's a bad thing because no, I'm not saying that in a negative light. No, but I'm just saying, no, but I'm just saying like, I think, I, I think that the little guy is the guy that needs to get his voice out there more than, Absolutely. you know, the DC corporate structure. But Sean, go on. I don't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no. That's quite all right. Yeah. It's, it's just – it seems that no matter what – we're all watching how the sausage is made and mm. no one's really talking about the sausage itself. Right. It's, it, at the end of the day, they own the product. If they mm. want to come out and say Batwoman is actually a kangaroo in a Batwoman <laughs> suit. She's been that way the whole time. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that. That's their prerogative. They can mm-hmm. do that. We can either like it or not like it. That's mm-hmm. that's the extent of our voice in this process. We buy it or we don't buy it. You got to vote with your wallet. That's exactly yeah, what it is. That, that's that's it. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, all of the outrage is is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. I understand it. It's just it seems like it's this fire that will never go out because no company will be mistake free for months at a time. It's it's just going to happen, no. and then all of a sudden, as soon as the next mistake happens, boosh, it's the same bonfire from before, but with another log tossed onto it. Well, to me, though, they're more good deed-free of late than yeah. mistake-free, mm-hmm. because it, one follows the next. And in a situation where, from a, a person who was a DC fan, I know people don't want to hear that, but my yeah. comic reading began that way. Yeah. Before they blew up the other universe, I was buying quite a number of DC yeah. books, and when they decided to go... Forget, you know, it's great that, you know, Catwoman can straddle Batman, Mm. but the people can't be married or they can't Mm. have loving relationships because that's all bad. Mm. But you can, you can have a one night stand all you want with a superhero Mm. with with their their boobs hanging out or whatever, (laughs) or show me shots of Wonder Woman's Tookus. That's Mm. all fine. But loving, committed relationships, not so good. Mm. Darkly violent not books for kids, mm. not books for old timers. They've got they've staked out their ground and that's mm. their prerogative too. Mm. It is their company and their mm. characters. And it can be that sausage factory you're talking about, they're not only showing me the sausage, they're showing me the nail gun in the cow's head at this point. <laughs> nice. And it's just a bit too much added to WTF but, month, villains mm. month, forty seven covers. Uh, but is DC the on one showing League? you that nail gun, or is it? Well, they're showing me the, the creators themselves coming out and saying, "Hey, look what I did! I have a nail gun. Isn't this awesome?" Mm-hmm. They showed me WTF mm-hmm. canceled it, which was ridiculous and stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. Villains, Villains Month, which <laughs> is uh, a work in progress that we're iffy about, but mm-hmm. better than maybe it should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're fifty-two covers on Justice League. They're, they're trying desperately, it seems like, to recreate the gimmicky '90s. Mm. dark overly dark to mm. me gimmick covers all this other stuff but who the are they emulating image of, from the 90s mm-hmm. no, except no, they don't have entirely true they they're emulating whoever's number one everyone is always chasing number one mm-hmm. well that's marvel and they are not emulating marvel whose line of books is certainly more varied in tone and tenor and character well we're going off on a different road here but there are different tone and tenors out there but no one's buying them vibe by mm-hmm. sterling gates is an awesome all ages book right now who's reading it nobody mm-hmm. it's out there it's a great awesome book mm-hmm. you had books like demon knights that were just kind of their own thing out there doing their own thing dial h they have these various books and various styles out there but 
no one buys them. All of their light, happy, fun books got 10,000 readers, 12,000 readers. Mm. Is that really telling them, hey, let's make a light, happy, fun, everyone's happy, yep. everyone's happily married, everything's great? No, that's not what people want to read. People have voted with their wallets. Well, the fact that all their new 52 books are back down, basically, except the bat books to where they were before, based on the sales numbers they have, they've abandoned some of them, stuck with the big, the big mm. guns, mm. which is why when they do Villains Month, there are 16 okay. Batman titles. I'm going to bring this back. I'm okay. going to bring this back. because we're now, we're now, I, I knew now I was we're talking about DC versus Marvel, <laughs> and that's not this conversation. Okay. This, is a, this is not a who's the better company, who has the better characters, who has the better books. Because this issue has nothing to do with the books. And that's the problem with this issue. And I think what Sean was saying is a very salient point, which is we're, we're talking – and this is, this is an issue of the big problem is that we're talking about how the sausage is made. We're not talking about the sausage. We're not talking about the books. Like I said before, Forever Evil, I loved it. That's not what everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about people getting runoff books. And yeah, like there are writers coming out and saying, hey, I'm, I, I can't do this book anymore because this, this has been a horrible circumstance to work in. B- but to... And yes, they're the ones drawing a lot of attention, but I think it's because, A, it's a warning sign to a lot of other writers who might want to mm-hmm. go work at, the, at those companies. And two, you know, when you're mistreated at your job, you know, everyone wishes they had a sounding board to go off on, and that's what these guys are doing. Um, you know, I personally think that I, I, from my opinion, I think the idea that the, the marriage thing, I think it's because they think it ages characters up. And they want the characters to be young. They want the characters. Well, they're in a different place too. No, absolutely. Don't forget we're at the very start of this universe for DC. Absolutely, and I I understand that way of thinking. Uh, I just uh, for me, and this is my general idea with all this stuff is a blanket corporate statement about creative work. I think gets dicey. Yes. You know, that's my issue with all of this is that when you go, okay, creative people, here's our corporate edict: you have to be this way, hundred percent, and there's no wiggle room. Then I think you get you get into to danger as far as quality goes, and honestly, that's all I care about. I care about how good the books are, you know. And I'm not talking about books that are for me because look, there might be books I don't like. Doesn't mean I think they should stop being published. It just means I'm not going to read them. You know what I mean? Um, but I think the idea, you know, look at look at the look at the beginnings of Animal Man, and most of that series has dealt heavily in family. And right now, those things are not going so well for that character, but it has dealt with the, the gray areas and the trouble and the drama of those situations. And I think that's been some of the best stuff in that book. Um, that so, almost seems to encapsulate what he was saying in a much better light than how he said it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think the idea that marriage um, is kind of this boring end state is just a very immature way to look at the characters. Um, and I, I think that it will hurt the quality of their books eventually. It's not probably going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen in the next month. Probably not in the next year. But with these kind of strict edicts, I think you run into trouble. And I think that's the problem uh, with this whole situation. Um, but we talked a lot about it. Let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to happier. Let's move on to new people doing books. Uh, this week, Marv Wolfman is going to be writing Superboy uh, for DC. Um, Bob, you're obviously old school comic fan. Marv Wolfman's been writing books for a very, very long time. You've talked about Tomb of Dracula, 
right? Mm-hmm. Which he was a writer on, correct? Yep, with Gene Colan on art. Um, what do you think about a guy like this coming back and writing a book? It, it all will depend on what story he's going to get to tell. Right. What, what Superboy are we at this point? We're clone Superboy, Connor okay. Kent. Yeah. Okay, so sort of a blank slate in this universe? Yeah, pretty much. Mostly? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, 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 pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Marv is certainly a veteran with lots of stories to tell, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, it would be interesting if he could have gotten George Perez to draw it, but he's, <laughs> some, he's at Boom Studios. Yeah. Why not? I think we should have as many of these veteran guys back as possible. Yeah, and it's cool. He's writing a, he's writing a Teen Titan character, and mm-hmm. obviously he made a, uh, a, you know, in the early 80s, right? Was it early 80s? Yep. He and, per- him and George Perez. Him and George Perez, a big, big run on Teen Titans. That was very, very... very it was their uh, X-Men. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and anybody who hasn't read The Judas Contract, which is a uh, big Deathstroke, uh, Terra storyline there, mm-hmm. should definitely check that out, because it's, it's, it's a great old story. Um, what do you think about uh, Marv Wolfman writing Superboy, Sean? Uh, I think it should be interesting. I, mm-hmm. I have... I've only gone back and read the Judas Contract. That's literally the only thing I've read of his. I've tried to go back to read the uh, the stuff around Crisis, where he started off and everything. But uh, finding a lot of that stuff in print for me, it, it should be a lot easier. But I'm cheap and I go to my library, so it takes like a month and a half for it to get to me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, but no, honestly, it, it needs a direction. It's been... Uh, kind of lost in the woods for a little while now so hopefully he can come in and, and give it a, a voice and a direction yeah absolutely because i was excited when justin jordan took over the book and then it was only he like, started with a direction though but he kind of got chopped off at the knees it seems yeah yeah and i think that book got hurt too because it had three or four artists on yeah. every on every one yeah. of those issues it's really tough for a book to gain momentum uh with something like that i got caught in a couple of the events too right was that in the hell event um no i don't think it no? No, yes, it was. Yes, yeah, it, it was. was yeah, it was. Hell on Earth. But that book was having trouble way before that. Oh, I mean, okay. it, that yeah, that book never really got off the ground. Uh, it started out with a couple. I think the first couple issues of the New Fifty Two run were, were pretty good, but I don't think Lobdell ever really got it going uh, on that book. And then we went through a bunch of different writers. I think Tom DeFalco was writing it for a little mm-hmm. bit, and I just never it never came together. It just tread in place for a long yeah. time for a good six months, and yeah. that's what drove a lot of people away and then we got a very convoluted backstory for the guy <laughs> yeah yeah it's been it's been a little, it's been rough for superboy for a character that a lot of people really love it's been rough for, for that character so far but hopefully I just wanted to see connor kent show up that's yeah it. that's all i wanted to see <laughs> over someone like Mar- marv wolfman comes on and, and and gives it a direction of voice as sean said he'll center it that's, yeah you can guarantee that yeah um may not be the center you want but he'll center yeah it. <laughs> i don't care as long as it has a direction i'm, yeah. I'm happy yeah <laughs> no that's it's the hallmark of his work for all those marvel years and, and at dc too yeah um a lot of, a lot of shakeups um going on um so You're gonna make me cry now <laughs> <laughs> uh so we, we found out that aquaman number 25 which is november issue is jeff john's last issue on aquaman um, we talked about it earlier, Steve, obviously in Books of the Week. It, it's a series that we've been loving since the start. It's been a standout of the New 52. Um, he's leaving because it's, he just, he has other things he's going to write there. Um, I, I wouldn't read anything to, to that. Come on, Shazam. Uh, yeah, hopefully Shazam is one of those things because he would be great at that. Um, now, the good news, the very good news is the person replacing Jeff Johns is Jeff Parker. Jeff Parker will be writing Aquaman. Um, Jeff Parker, obviously, um, 
Red She-Hulk, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dark Avengers. Dark Avengers slash Thunderbolts. Um, writing Batman 66, uh, a writer that we all like very, Absolutely. very much. Uh, I think... Is this his first full-time DC work? I th- he's doing Batman 66, but I think it's his first time... I'm sorry, I, I guess I should universe, reiterate yeah. with like their main print line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it absolutely is. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this, Bob? I like Jeff Parker a lot. Yeah. What I read, read the first arc of the You were the first Aquaman. couple, I think. The first, yeah. like, first like 12 or something like that, yeah. I think, I gave you. Yeah, yeah which was very, very good. Yeah. If he, he can keep that tone. He is lighter. Yes, he is. The, the heavier stuff is there. Yeah, but his characters have a certain swagger, a little bit of sass, along with their misgivings, mm-hmm. so to speak. There is something really interesting going on in their heads all the time. Yeah, uh, he does teams very well, so I think you'll see lots of supporting characters based on his other work so far. Mm-hmm. Not a bad pick. Yeah, not a bad pick for. Writer on this book at all. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited. Steve, you were just talking about it. We talked about him on the book. How do you feel about Jeff Parker writing Aquaman? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not, obviously, I'm probably out of everyone in the room. I'm not as big a fan. Uh, mm. I do enjoy some of his work. Uh, I tried picking up Batman 66 for the first time. Uh, I believe it was either yesterday or this morning. And as much as I absolutely love the artwork and I love the the television show, I grew up on it. I could not get into it. I I had no like there was no there was no joy in it for me, and I expected it to be very uh, hooky in a good way, mm-hmm. and and kind of like scratch that itch for me, and it just it just didn't. Um, and I it was I was quite disturbed by that actually because i i wanted to like i picked it up really enthusiastic about it and i don't know if it was just i was in a funky mood or what but i mean i i did buy the second one but i got about three quarters of the way through the first issue and i didn't finish it and i'm i'm very disturbed by the fact that i didn't finish it okay it was Um, was spotty i would agree with that yeah i just there was something about it 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 didn't i I know a lot of people were like oh it captures the feel of the i didn't feel it Mm. i didn't feel it um but that's not to say that he won't take what Jeff Johns has built with Aquaman and run with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been, you know, like I said earlier, I've been loving Jeff Johns' run. Um, I'm I'm upset that he's leaving, but I understand that his his workload is just tremendous, and he's got all these other huge personalities to write and to deal with. And he's done 25 issues of it. That's a yeah. very sizable and good mm-hmm. run. And he's, you know, he's given us three or four great, great stories with a character that he's pretty much brought back from the dead, mm-hmm. you know, or at least from the joke bin. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Jeff Parker can take that and and bump it up another notch and maybe inject a little bit more fun to it, because, I mean, that's the one thing about Jeff Johns's run is that it's all very serious uh, it was a little bit more pokey in the beginning because of the whole, you know, stigma behind Aquaman and, you know, oh, are you eating fish sticks and mm. the whole bit and like that stuff was funny. But then it kind of lost the funny because everything got super serious and cities were getting destroyed and kings were returning from the dead and mm. all of these things. Um, and as exciting as it is, it's very dire and mm. it's very dark and it's very um, huge consequences behind every... Every turn, every facet of those stories, 
you know, something hinges on whatever is going to happen, if we can kind of brighten it a little bit, lighten it up, or even if he doesn't, but just keeps that fun going on with the character and this restored, uh, restoredness, I guess, that Aquaman now has, then I'll continue to read it. I am definitely on for a couple of issues. Mm. Um, I love the character now. Yeah. Uh, I'll never complain if things are fun, but, uh, I have abs- I have not one complaint about the Jeff Johns run on the character, and I don't want Jeff Parker to copy Jeff Johns. He has to be himself, and he has to be the writer that he is. Mm-hmm. But the the stakes and the and the the tone of Aquaman I, I, I've loved, you, mm-hmm. you know. And I think especially with Aquaman, you have to be very careful because you can't. He, 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 we're only a couple years removed from. Listen, the, the world at large still goes Aquaman. You yeah, know, it's true. Uh, so, and comic fans are just kind of like, okay, yeah, we, he's major player. We really like him now. Uh, he was really I still great. Say I feel dirty whenever I'm like, I like Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he was actually also. I think he was great in the Injustice game and, and those comics. Well, they do a good job with him there as well. But mm-hmm. I think you got to be careful. You can't make it silly. You know, because that character has been marred by silly for yeah, but- a lot of his existence. So. And I think Jeff Johns is. I think the stakes are because it's like we're. I'm going to show you that the stuff that he does, and the and the kingdom that he rules is just as vital and just as important as what Superman does on Earth. So we need mm-hmm. to make it. You know, he's doing dire things all the time because that's the kind of hero that he is. You know, he is a major hero, and that, and this is the kind of thing that major heroes deal with. Right, but I mean, maybe I think maybe I'm just saying it differently. Mm. That by Jeff Parker coming on, knowing that he is a bit of a lighter mm. tone, uh, you know, his writing voice and whatnot, that I do I do want him to do something different with it, and maybe yeah. I mean, I like I said, Aquaman has been phenomenal, mm. and and just to do what Jeff Johns did with that character, the fact that people still scoff mm-hmm. at his name, but then you have other people that are like you. You obviously have not been reading mm. the DC fifty two Aquaman. Mm. You need to read that. The fact that people are actually saying you need to read Aquaman blows my mind. Right. You know? And I hope that that continues where people are like, oh well the guy that, you know, put him back on the map and made him so great, you know, he's mm. not even writing it anymore. I want people to still be able to be like, dude, you don't even like it's <laughs> different, but it's still just as good. Yeah. You know, that's what I want to yeah, hear. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Charles Charles Soul on Swamp Thing. That's oh, what I'm hoping yeah, for. That, that yeah. book's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Sean, uh, quickly about uh, Jeff Parker taking over for Jeff Johns. I actually haven't read any of his work, so I don't okay. have much to say. I'll just say uh, the, the big thing that no one's talking about is the fact that we're going to lose Brave and the Bold bearded Aquaman just when we got him. <laughs> it's so depressing to me. How do you, how do you know you're <laughs> going to lose him? How do you know that? Uh, it's already been stated. He's going to shave as soon oh, as no. he takes over. He doesn't over. like beards either. Doesn't like beards. No beards. Yeah, DC shave hates with beards. <laughs> beards are awesome though. That when he showed, he, I got so excited at the end of that issue when he had the beard. Same. I thought he was going to start saying outrageous all the time. It was going to be great. <laughs> he, can have, he can have my beard. <laughs> um, some more, some more shakeups. Um, another team that's been on a book since since uh, day dot of the New Fifty Two. Brian Bucciolato and Francis Manipal are leaving the Flash uh, to go do something else. Uh, at DC, we don't know who the regular writers are going to be. Um, Christos Gage and Neil Gouge, uh will we'll do a, one- a single issue. Yeah, we'll do a single issue of the book. We don't know the new team. I'm assuming we're going to get a. It's going to be a 
you know, not a, not, not a huge name, a decently sized name that will take over mm-hmm. the Flash as one of their marquee characters. Um, Sean, have you been reading the Flash? And how do you feel about Bucciolato and Manipole leaving? That's that's the tears flowing down the side of my face. Okay. I, I have absolutely adored this book. It has been stunning visually, and the storytelling has just been fun. Mm-hmm. I guess it's it's it hasn't been anything as far as just earth shattering, but it's just been solid building of a story. And, and by the time uh, ten, eleven, twelve, the annu- the first annual hit where we mm-hmm. had the rogues and all that stuff going on, mm-hmm. it really found its stride and started taking off from there. And it's it's just sad to see uh, those guys uh, stepping away. Obviously, there should be a line delineating this from the other stuff. They're not like, oh, yeah, no. storming off or anything like that. It's just it's still depressing for me to see them go. Yeah, they're moving on to another project at, at, at DC and another ongoing, which they'll work on together. Um, uh, you know, the the Flashbook, one of my favorite heroes, was a little bit hit or miss for me as far as uh, the writing goes, but the art it has been. With Batwoman, I think the two most visually arresting books in the DC New 52. Doing really crazy stuff with panel design and, and color. and Yeah, the color work alone even is just going to be sad to see that change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, luckily they're going on together to another book, so they'll bring that to another book. Um, but yeah, it's been great to see that art there. Um, but uh, again, the, the writing for me has been hit or miss, so I, I'm excited to see where that goes uh, from from now on, is there uh, anyone in particular you'd like to see come on writing? You know, that's funny. You know, honestly, if if before this announcement of the Aquaman, I would have said Jeff Parker would have been a great person to write um, the Flash. Listen, Chris Hoss Gage would be a would be a great. He's a great writer. He seems to be like pinch hitter man though for both companies. They he seem, really does. They seem to just bring him in for like an issue here or there as a, as a fill in guy. But I, I love. I think he's a great writer. So I'd love to see him do some stuff. But. Barring that, I don't know. I don't know. I can't think of somebody off the top of my head. Uh, I'd like to see Michael Allen Nelson. He was doing uh, Supergirl. Yeah. Has now kind of that lighter feel to it and everything. I think he would fit in pretty well. This is something I want to ask you about because he's off that book already. And he, yeah. just, he just started not that long ago. Tony yeah. Bedard, who is a kind of a longtime DC writer. He was doing Green Lantern's New Guardians for its entire run until all the creative team switched. He's taking over Supergirl. Um no, I, I don't think any of us have kept up with the book. I think Hell on Earth the, the, killed the, it for me. Kill, yeah. kind of took us all away from that book. Um, it kind of it kind of you know broke up the momentum for us. Um, Sean, as someone who has continued to read that book, how has it been? How is Michael Allen Nelson? And are you sad to see this change? Oh, I'm I'm crushed to see it. It mm. was uh, when I first did the the written review for when he took over on Supergirl. I mockingly said that it was like a ray of sunshine busting through the clouds of dc because he had fun Mm. it was a very light it was very playful the the character was no longer just moping to herself anymore it kind of broke itself out of the loop it was in and he allowed it to breathe and have fun and forge its own path so to see it coming to a close now it's it's it fills me with a little trepidation but i i don't know the details of what happened there and i'm hoping I see him pop up elsewhere. All right. Cool. Um, Tony what? Bedard did a pretty good Birds of Prey run, so he does do female characters. Yeah, he's a good well, writer. So yeah, I'm, I'm not writer. selling him short yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. And his work on Green Lantern to Guardians was good as well. So he's a good writer. I, and I, I have no, this doesn't mean anything to me because I haven't read that book. You know, I really liked the team that was writing it before the Hell on Earth thing happened, and I, they, obviously they wrote it through um, that. But 
Yeah, it's good to hear. And I heard that actually Mara said that same thing about Super Bowl. They said she said it reminds her of a like Stephanie Brown Batgirl book um, with Michael Allen Nelson writing it. So it's a shame to see that going away. Um, some new books that are coming. We'll cover this pretty. Th- this is a good news uh, from Marvel. They announced uh, all new Marvel Now, which is their Marvel Now Phase Two, and it came with two announcements for two books. Um, the first of which is a book we already knew about, uh, Inhuman, Matt Fraction and Joe Magera. Um, just released a cover image. It's what exactly of what we we kind of we kind of expected, um, but and we talked we talked about that book already and what, 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 our, our excitement for that book. The other big announcement, though, is that all new Invaders is coming, written by James Robinson and art by Steve Pugh. Um, Bob, I want to let you take this away because we've talked about the Invaders many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you excited about this book? No. Go to somebody else. Um, first of all, James Robinson, sort of golden age throwback, loves the older characters. And maybe he's the new version of Roy Thomas, mm-hmm. who started the Invaders to begin with. Uh, you're looking at the classic Marvel characters, but now it's a story told today. Mm-hmm. So what we're dealing with now, Steve. Uh, the original Human Torch is Professor Horton's synthetic human. It's from Marvel Comics number one, which also featured the Submariner, Kazar, and a character called the Angel, but not the one you know. Mm-hmm. He's a, hmm. a detective in a, for some reason, wore a costume but no mask, but had the little mustache that the magicians all did back then. Oh, I love those mustaches. <laughs> um, so, apparently, Marvel loves facial hair. Yes, there they do. <laughs> The original Human Torch was created to be a, an android character who was going to take the dangerous work that other people could. The problem was when you expose him to air, he burst into flame. <clears throat> he eventually escaped. He burned through the glass tube he was put in and ended up in the swimming pool of some gangster. And the torch ended up taking him out and burning down his house and all sorts of other things. He was a menace. The police chased him. Mm-hmm. He eventually... Put, put himself into control of his flame and so on and so forth. He eventually had a kid partner named Toro, who was a circus fire eater, and the torch flew over, and the kid caught on fire and flew up to meet him and all sorts of crazy stuff like mm-hmm. that there. He is in the Captain America movie, by the way. Yeah, he is. Yeah. When, really? they, go to the, when they go to the Stark Expo, look again. Yeah. To the right, there's a... a a fella in a red suit in a glass tube, and the logo above it says Professor Horton's something something. Mm. You can see it say clearly Professor Horton. How do you like that? Mm. So somewhere, maybe <laughs> in one of these Captain America movies, we may see the Invaders. Mm. Now, the genesis of the Invaders after the war. I'm not going to get deeply into alternate Captain America histories, but Martin Goodman of Marvel, seeing how great DC was doing with the Justice Society took one of his books, which was an anthology book called All Winners, and in All Winners number 19, in fall of 1946, he created the All Winners Squad. <laughs> Wasn't a great name. You know, you'd, have, you'd have to blame. The creator of the All Winners Squad is Bill Finger, who is the co-creator oh, wow. of oh, wow. Batman. It is Cap, Submariner, The Torch, Toro, Bucky, Miss America... Uh, Madeline Joyce, not you know, not uh, the one that's around now. Right, the, yeah, the kid yeah. was around now, and the Wizard, 
who was their version of the Flash. It's with, the worst one of the worst names ever. Yeah. The Wizard. <laughs> and and his terrible origin, he gets his powers from mongoose blood. <laughs> his father injects him with mongoose blood. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm. But interestingly, in a the Marvel char- characters back then, the Torch and the Submariner were always fighting. There was lots of that going on. These characters don't get along very well in this book. And at one point, they think that the Submariner is in league with the villain. Mm-hmm. And so we have an interesting split. It's a little different than a Justice Society story. The Toro goes off with Namor because mm-hmm. he's mad with the torch or whatever. It's a really fun story. They, there's an issue 21. They somehow assigned issue 20 to some kid's comic called Big Top or something. And issue 21 has an all-winner squad story in it too. And that was Otto Binder who helped create Captain Marvel. Oh, wow. So Martin Goodman had some big stuff going on. And then the book got canceled. It all disappeared. But Roy Thomas remembered. <laughs> Because in Avengers number 71 in 1969, just, sitting, sitting here in front of me, yeah, by the just, way. Just for our, our listeners, all of these books that Bob talks about every time, they're here yeah. in the studio with him in nice bags and boards, mm-hmm. nice first Mylar. print originals. They're beautiful. He's got <laughs> them you. all. Uh, <laughs> this, this Avengers storyline was a battle between Kang and a character called the Grandmaster, who is a gamesman. And Kang was trying to bring his girlfriend back to life and decided, well, we'll, I'll, we'll play a game for that, the power of life and death. So this is the last part of this three-part story. The second part, first part? I'm losing it now. I'm talking too long. Introduced the Squadron Sinister, who'd become the Squadron Supreme. He has the Avengers, well, three of them. In this case, it's Yellow Jacket, the Black Panther, and the Vision. They get sent back in time to occupied Paris. The Grandmaster sends Cap... Torch and Namor mm. to fight them. And Roy had such a great time writing this. It was only a couple of years later he showed you in a what if where Cap went when he was supposed to be dead after they were writing stories in the mm. late 40s that I just mm. told you about. Well, yeah. it, was a, it was an in-between Cap that mm. we'll tell you about on some other future show. But then in the later 70s, he d- came up with the Invaders. Stories of the World War II all-winner squad that hadn't ever been told before. Uh, he had Frank Robbins doing the art for the most part, but there are covers by Gil Kane and Jack Kirby, and tie-ins with a, a group called the Liberty Legion with some other B-level characters like the Blue Diamond, mm-hmm. which isn't walnuts. It's actually a guy who could turn to <laughs> diamond. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, fun retro stories. The 70s version was very much a, a, a hit, went for about 50 issues or so, and then they kept going at it. For those of you looking to catch up, they do have trade paperbacks, Invaders mm. Classic. But what you need to get is the Invaders Now from a couple of years back, which is Alex Ross and Christoph Gage. There you go. And, <laughs> and Ivan Rice. Okay. Oh, wow. And it's all painted covers by Alex Ross. Mm. It's a story told today mm-hmm. about an adventure the Invaders had during the war about a, a small village and a sacrifice to the Lovecraftian dark gods, mm. and some very bad things happen, mm. and we put this all back together. That I'm pretty sure it is a trade, mm-hmm. but this, I think, will set the tone of what we're going to see in this new series, this Invaders Now from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so can you tell I'm excited about it? Very excited. <laughs> uh, original Human Torch, uh, Namor, uh, Captain America, and Bucky Barnes mm. are, are the invaders, the all-new invaders. And the other thing that's going to be happening is that the, 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 the other books, the Marvel Now One books, will be getting a designation. It will be like Avengers going to be Avengers 24 point now. Um, and 
it will have a, it's going to say, I think it's Rogue Planet number one in the corner to give you, the, this is a new story, you can jump on mm-hmm. here, um, which will be interesting to see if they've solved that issue of how to get people comfortable with picking up a random book yeah. off, the, off the shelves. But the other, the, I think the, the smartest thing that they're doing is that with all the previous Marvel Now books, all the ones that are getting these Point Now designations are going to have digital codes that have a batch of the, the last oh. issues that have come out digitally oh, wow. so you can catch up with the books that you're picking up in this new That's um, all new Marvel Now. Um, there's obviously a lot of rumors uh, circling other books, a Silver Surfer book, a Black Widow book, um, and possibly all new X Factor. Um, so these are all rumors that are circling. Uh, this uh, is going to start, I believe, in in Dece- January, December or January. The new books in January. The point now. Uh, in Avengers December. One is December. I so we're getting the same way. It will be a staggered rollout, much like Marvel now was. Um, but we're gonna get a whole new crop of books uh, to hear about. Um, we're, we're already running very long. Um, so, really quickly, Ming Doyle, who is the Mar artist, is going to be drawing Quantum and Woody for Valiant, which is a very, very cool story. Um, uh, George Perez announced his She-Devils book mm-hmm. over for, was it, Boom? Boom Studios. Boom yeah. Studios. Four-issue mini, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, All-female all superhero team mm-hmm. in space, I believe, yep. was the kind of the, the pitch for it. Promo image looked very nice. It does look well, very nice. George Perez. It's George Perez. Course, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's fun to hear about. Honestly, guys, I want to talk about this Harley Quinn stuff. Um, the only reason I'm tripping about it is not because I think it's too hot button. I feel like it's already resolved itself. This is kind of the issue. Jimmy Palmiotti came out and said, look, I'm sorry. We should have included more context with the page we put out. For those of you who don't know, there's this contest. It's actually a very, very cool thing. Uh, uh, DC released a, uh, a page uh, of the script to the new Harley Quinn book for any artist to draw and send in, and it could be in this Harley Quinn number zero book uh, that that's that's coming out. Um, the big controversy was there is a panel part of it where Harley is sitting in a bathtub, um, naked. It's not like she's you know she's in the bath, so she's <laughs> naked, and she mimes shooting herself in, in the head. Um, it, people, what? Why are you looking at me is with that those eyes? The, is that what it was? I thought I, I heard thought different. that was putting the appliances in the yeah. Top. Oh, the appliances. Sorry, you're right. Like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah, yeah. A, she has a like, a, like a draw cord yeah. that has toasters and various right, other yeah, electronics are going to fall I'm into sorry. the water. I'm sorry. It was and, the wrong one. Um, people got very, very upset. People got very, very upset. Um, uh, it was it was very interesting to see it play out over the last couple of days. Basically, I'll read out the quote that Jimmy Palmiotti uh, wrote. He wrote... Um, uh, he wrote that the tryout the, that the tryout Harley Quinn page went out without an overall description of tone and dialogue is all my fault. I should have put it clearly in the description that it was supposed to be a dream sequence with Amanda and I talking to Harley and giving her a hard time. I should also mention we were thinking a Mad Magazine Looney Tunes approach was what we were looking for. We thought it was obvious with the whale and chicken suit and so on, but learned it was not. I'm sorry for those who took offense. Our intentions were always to make this a fun and silly book that broke the fourth wall and head into issue one with an ongoing story adventure that is a lot like the past Power Girl series we did. I hope all the people thinking the worst of us can now understand that insulting or making fun of any kind was never our intention. I also hope that they, call, they, they, they can all stop blaming DC Comics for this since it was my screw-up. The idea for a... Fu- the idea for the page to find new talent is an amazing one, and we hope that we can be the positive that comes forward from today on. 
that we get some new talent working in our field because of this unique opportunity. Um, Hell yeah. Well said. There was a great set of tweets from uh, Jim Lee as well. I don't know if you saw those. I didn't see them, no. uh, It was basically about how much an artist can bring to a scene and how much strength they have in interpreting a scene for everyone where he was showing different drawings of that that various scene where one of them was very dark and serious and gritty and another one was super light and fun and, mm-hmm. and how much strength an artist has to the storytelling process. It was actually a very fascinating read. That's, that's great. Um, you know, I, I, I thought the controversy itself, I mean, look, if, some, if somebody's offended by something, they're offended by it and there's no telling somebody they're wrong. So I will never tell anybody they should not be offended by something because that is a personal right, knee-jerk touched, reaction. Right, it's whatever it right, is. They're touched by that in their own lives. It's exactly. Good. Exactly. I always felt though, like even when I read it over, I didn't. I was like, "Oh, that's a little bit intense," but I never was like, "This is." No, I, you know. I, I read it. So it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's Bill Murray driving yeah. with the yeah. the groundhog off into the train. It's, yeah, it's meant to be a joke. Obviously, in a whale's mouth tickling its uvula, whatever it was. Yeah, it's yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It, it seems silly to me, and everything yeah. we heard about the book is. Fourth wall breaking. Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pagliotti, like it says, are, are talk to the character. Mm-hmm. She's trying out artists in in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, this all leads me to believe this. This is this is a humorous, you know, yeah. ridiculous thing. I mean, I think the controversy that arose is because a lot of people uh, read it and believed it to be that they were, you know, um, like sexualizing and sensationalizing mm. the act of suicide. Mm. Right. Uh, I mean, I personally, I'll just throw my hat into the ring mm. as the, the resident Harley fanatic that I am. Um, I had absolutely zero problems with this when it arose. I understand people's, um, that how people could misinterpret it and discontent. I think that now that we have the context of the scene, that it certainly helps, and I, I think that that those things should have been explained. If anything, they would have helped the artists that mm-hmm. are entering this contest have the the more information you have about what they're looking for in the scene. Granted, it's your art, but at the same time, it would have helped a lot. But you also have to remember who you're dealing with here. You're dealing with Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn is she's psychotic. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, I've I've already seen sixteen thousand different versions of this in my in my head of different ways that you could <laughs> mm-hmm. draw this, and the majority of them, this is just me, are hilarious. Mm-hmm. You know, big bubbles, uh, big pink and blue yeah. bubbles going all over the place. One, yeah. you know, one leg dangling out of the end of the uh, tub. Uh, funny looking uh, duck, kind of like the duck that um, pa- um, Penguin had in Batman Returns, yeah. floating on the bubbles. Yeah. Just there were. There were ways that you could have done it that it would have been, you know, I, I'm sorry if this offends people, but comical mm-hmm. um, because it is who it is. That's the character. That's the nature of the character is that she's, she is a jokester mm-hmm. that I think maybe people lost sight of that for a moment because of maybe their personal connections to that particular act. And yeah. I, co- I completely mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, for one, I, I, I think everybody was also still coming off of a lot of the heat that was going yeah, on on DC. And it, was, yeah. it was very easy to stoke the fire once again and and just oh, without, yeah. you know, but having the context hopefully has uh, alleviated some of some of the people's uh, discontent with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no shortage of reactions you can read because every 
big creator that's active on a social network talked about it. Mark Wade talked about it. Gail Simone talked about it on yep. every to side the, of the aisle. To the positive or negative or a little of both? It was kind of a little of both. Mark Wade, I think Mark Wade was definitely more negative because I think he was still, he was the lack of context. And he made sure to say, like, look, Jimmy, I wasn't saying anything wrong with you. He's like, and he, he made sure to say, there's nobody with more integrity in the comic book industry than Jimmy Apollyotti. He's like, so don't, that's... Yeah, well, uh, that's what Gail Simone's yeah. uh, stance was, was yeah. you know, this is, this is Jimmy and Manda. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know that they're, that they're going to knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Why can't, you know, why can't people just trust them? And, you know, was kind of saying, you know, they... These readers don't have the the professional relationships that we have with them. They don't think of it like that. And then she had actually made a comparison to Deadpool yeah, and how Deadpool, I saw that one. you oh, know, uses yeah. suicide mm-hmm. all the time, and nobody, you know, bats an eyelash. And then she later went on to say that that was perhaps uh, a bad example because of the fact that when Deadpool goes to make, commit suicide that he comes back because of his powers, that if mm. Harley was to go through with the act, she would not come back. Right. Mm. And and by putting it to her that way, she actually retracted her uh, original uh, statements. But it was all cool by the by the time the conversation had ended. Yeah. You know, absolutely. a lot of people a lot of people that were not involved got involved because it was on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um all right. So that's it for the news. Um we're going to go with a couple. We'll do one or two questions because we ran pretty long. But next week, guys, it's going to be a full listener question show. Our 99th episode will be a listener question show. There you go. All questions from now. Yeah, yeah. And, and because, guys, a week and a half from now is the 100th episode live. Pat Chug, Reese's, going to be, be a good be time. There. Oh, yeah. Be there. All right. <laughs> um, so this is from Leonardo uh, Nieves. He says, Am I the only one who hates navigating through the Marvel Unlimited app? Good content, but they need the entire gener- uh, the entire uh, Generation X run. Also, Kelly Sudeconic should be writing Green She-Hulk. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody else... I, I subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. Uh, I don't know if anybody else... I know you guys don't use it. Sean, do you use it at all? I do use it. That's how I actually keep up. Okay. So... Uh, what do you think about this? Do you agree with him that the experience of going through it and navigating it is poor? Yeah, it drives me insane, honestly. <laughs> if, if they could just have a next issue where I come to the end of the issue and I hit a button and it just starts the next issue, yes. that alone would just make me elated. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, that is a ridiculous missing feature. Yes. You know, <laughs> I've, I've just read 10 issues in this one run. You think you, think you could give me, like, a next issue or... You know, uh, uh, like a, a couple icons at the bottom that that have like you know you read this, so you probably want to read yeah, this. Yeah, it's like when they group something together on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Just give me that. And sometimes you're you're searching through runs and you you're kind of categorize it, and there's something wrong with some of their internal like metadata or something. And all of a sudden, I'm looking for you know Bendis's run on Daredevil, and I get to like issue 36, and it's like issue 36 from. Like the sixties or whatever, and yeah, it's just it's a very strange thing. Sometimes like cover art is wrong, so you're not or it'll sure. Go one through five, and then twelve through eighteen, and then yeah. six through ten. Yeah, <laughs> it's gotten much better in the last few months. They've started filling in those holes, but yes, but even when you're browsing, like the interface of it, um, you go from page to page. Sometimes pages won't load. You know, they'll load wrong. They'll half load. You have to go back. You have to shut down the app. You have to go back into it. It definitely has some performance issues. It's a shame because the content there is amazing. The amount of stuff they have there is crazy. But 
Yeah, they need to take a page out of Comixology's book and just use that interface. The problem is they're trying to match up. They're converting this all from the Flash HTML stuff that they were running prior. So they're kind of beholden to that old technology still until they just go their own way. Yeah, which they need to because if they're, I, I guarantee you that the the adoption rate is probably much higher on tablet than it, that it is on the web. Yes, um, purely. So yeah, it definitely needs to be uh, fixed. Uh, Diara Harris says Ellen Page is rumored to be the lead character for TNT's adaptation of Queen and Country. Um, is this a good fit? Also, what comic would be good for TV, and what actors would you have in mind? I don't think any of us read. A reading Queen and Country? I read uh, the first trade. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. So you can, you can speak a little to this. I can. Uh, Queen and Country, obviously, Greg Rucka uh, book for Oni Press. Um, Steve? I think she's perfect. Is she not? Is she bad for anything, really? No. That's, that's kind of the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I, th- I think she'll do a good job. She, uh, just as an, uh, especially her, her role in um, Hard Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. That's okay. awesome. All right. Um. Queen and Country, it's it's very highly involved, mm. but she is a she's a young woman who has the ability to go into what I call serious mode, and it's not to say that all that all of Queen and Country is serious. I mean, there's humor injected mm. here and there, uh, not much, but it is there. Uh, she's got a, a high level of intrigue. Uh, to her in a way of kind of uh, baiting you into her characters that I think for the type of story that Queen and Country is, especially something on TV, for her to be making the jump to television. Mm-hmm. Um, and who's putting this? That's TNT. TNT. Yeah. I haven't heard the. I haven't heard that company <laughs> in ages. Mm. So good for them. Yeah. <laughs> and to have landed Ellen Page, I, I think that she'll she'll lend a star power to the show hopefully they'll get a couple of other names to fill out you know the cast but uh i think that's great i think it's great in general that these i mean not that she's super high profile but she's a she's she's, high profile yeah she's known yeah you know she's definitely known enough yes that they're they're taking a chance on these comic book properties and you know they're they're do, doing what they can with it. Uh, I really hope that it's a success because it's a great story. Um, mm. Our good friend uh, Rob, oh is yeah, a he loves huge, it. Huge, yeah. huge fan of Queen and Country. And uh, yeah, I I mean, please let's let's have the pilot now. Yeah, she she also she was in the news also because she had stated that she wants to do a Kitty Pride solo movie with Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah. uh, directing wow. it. <laughs> yeah. So she got a, I think she got a lot of love for that as well. Um, and it's kind of on the spot about uh, comics into TV shows. I, I think Revival would work very, very well as a TV show. Yeah. I think it's kind of a perfect format for that. Um, Can we get David Lynch to direct okay, it? Very weird. <laughs> uh, Sean, are you any comics you think would be good TV shows? Uh, I, I want my sixth gun. I don't care if they put Paul Rubens in the lead. I want my sixth gun. <laughs> <laughs> Another Colin Bunn series. So you're a fan. Oh yeah, huge one. Nice, nice, Bobby. Man. I will always keep saying Luke Cage. Oh I yeah, that'd be great. Power, uh, Heroes for Hire, Power Man, mm. Iron Fist would be a great weekly series. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Steve, you want to throw one out there? <laughs> I do, but I can't. Everything that I can think of off the top of my head doesn't have enough issues to it yet. Well, but so what? It's yeah. the, it's a kind of story. I think it has nothing to do with issue number. Ghosted. That's a, would, that'd be a good one. I would love to see Ghosted. Mm-hmm. I would love to see like a like a, a American horror story 
uh, kind of approach to to Ghosted. But you know, American Horror Story, it's a little it's a little flashy, it's a little nip tucky mm-hmm. kind of thing. I would like that level of horror and seriousness, but with a little bit more of an old school flair mm-hmm. to it. Um, I mean, that story so far is so you know cast dr- driven mm-hmm. at this point that if you assembled a a really great cast you could have a really really awesome uh horror show. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um and we'll end with this question for tonight. Um Bob I'm pointing this to you. Uh-oh. Uh uh study. <laughs> I don't know. Um and guys just so you know we're keeping I'm keeping all these questions I have a, a file on my iPad this these don't worry about it next week we will get to your questions the smoke pouring out of his iPad folks. Yeah uh this is from Joshua and he says has there ever been an X-Men storyline where Cerebro oh. took control of the one using it Not that's in my head Okay not that I know of So no <laughs> I no, I stopped reading X-Men It's true you know, 15 years it's ago. It's a chunk. So, but anything in the last 15 years, you can't think of one. No. Interesting. All right. Hope we answered your Start question. Start writing it, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all you. Um, so, yeah, we will definitely get to the qu- other questions uh, next week. We're just running a bit long, so we did not want to uh, go too long with the show. But next week, all listener questions for you guys. All right. What's on the shelves right now? Uh, from Abstract Studios, Rachel Rising, number 19. Yes. Um... Let's see, from Archaea, uh, Cyborg009, the hardcover. Um, from Boom Studios, there we go. Adventure Time, Candy Capers, number three. Three Guns, number two. Um, we've got uh, Sons of Anarchy, number one, uh, which is obviously mm. based on the highly popular television show. So good. And Robocop Last Stand, number two. Um, from Dark Horse, we have... Um, Brain Boy, number one. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season nine, number 25, which I believe is the finale of season nine. Woo. Um, we've got Halo Initi- Initiation, number two of three. Um, Resident Alien, the Suicide Blonde, number one of three. Star Wars, number nine. True Lies of the Fabulous Killjoys, number four. And X, number five. Uh, from DC. Okay, and, I got this. Hold, hold on. <laughs> Hold on to your hats, because there's a lot of them. Uh, Action Comics, number 23.2. Aquaman, uh, that's General Zod, by the way. Aquaman, number 23.1. Black Manta. Astro City, number 4. Batman, number 23.2. The Riddler. Uh, That one's written by Scott Snyder. Uh, Batman and Robin, number 23.2. The Court of Owls. Uh, Batman Arkham Unhinged, number 18. Batman Lil Gotham, number 6. Batman the, the Dark Knight, number 23.2, Mr. Freeze. Um, Detective Comics, number 23.2, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Uh, Earth 2, number 15.2, Solomon Grundy. Born on a Monday. Um, uh, we have, wow, um, FBP Federal Bureau of Physics, number 3. Already? Is already out, yeah. yeah. Wasn't two last week? Uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, interesting. Getting aggressive. Yeah. Flash, number 23.2, Reverse Flash. Hmm. Um, Green Lantern, number 23.2, Mongol. We've got Justice League, number 23.2, Lobo. Justice League of America, number 7.2, Killer Frost. Uh, Smallville, season 11, number 17. Superman, number 23.2, Brainiac. Teen Titans, number 23.1, Trigon. Um, And that is it for DC. 
Um, from Dynamite, we have Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number 6 of 12. Grim, number 5. Kevin Smith's Bionic Man, number 23. King's Watch, number 1. We've got Red Sonia, number 3. Yeah. Uh, Shadow, number 17. Uh, Shadow, Green Hornet, Dark Knights, number 3. Spider, number 14. And um, that is it. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Vampirella, Southern Gothic, number 2. Uh, from IDW, we've got Lock and Key Alpha, number 1 Fuck of yeah. 2. <laughs> uh, Mars Attacks, Judge Dread, number 1 of 4. Uh, My Little Pony Micro Series, number 8, Celestia. Uh, we've oh. got... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Villain Micro Series number six Hun and Transformers Monstrosity number four of four. Um, Image <laughs> Comics, you're off the hook this time, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Clone number ten, the trade paperback of East of West Volume One. They put Buy that it. out real quick. Buy it. Um, Ghosted number three, Manhattan yeah. Projects number fourteen, yeah. Profit number thirty nine, <laughs> Sidekick number two, and Walking Dead number one fourteen. Um, speaking of long lists, from Marvel Comics, we have Astonishing X-Men number 67. Yes. Avengers number 19. Avengers Arena number 15. We've got Captain America number 11. Deadpool number 16. Fantastic Four number 12. Fearless Defenders number 9. We've got Indestructible Hulk number 13. Uh, Infinity the Hunt number 1 of 4. Sweet. Um, we've got Iron Man number nine. We've got Kickass three number three. Uh, Mighty Avengers number one. Um, it's Luke Cage. Yeah. White no, Tiger. I know what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we have got. Uh, you looked at me. Funny. You did. Uncanny X Force number eleven. Wolverine number nine. X Men number five. Yeah. Uh, um, we've got. Let's see. Any Valiant books this week? Whoop. Whoop. Valiant, yes. Archer and Armstrong, number 13. And Eternal Warrior, number one. Uh, their new series by Greg Pak. Uh, Zenoscope Entertainment, we have Grim Fairy Tales, number 89. Uh, Wonderland, number 14. Zombies the Cursed, number three. And Hit List, number one. Indeed. And that is what's so on So one show. or two comics. Yes, a few. A few. A light week. It's a light week. <laughs> the goal is 16 comics this week. That's the goal? That's the goal. That's your pared down list. Yes. 16 comics. Yes. I'm right. going to do it. All right. I'm going to do it. I believe you can do it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you have more faith in me than I do. <laughs> um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, um, info... No, sorry. I changed it. Fooling you guys. Podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. Of course, go to TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews. Uh, columns. Steve started a new uh, superhero art from around the net column yeah. that's on there. Obviously, all the great reviews um, by Sean and our other contributors. Um, check out Sean's podcast as well, the DCR podcast. That's correct. I got it right. I'm good. Um, well played, sir. And um, I think that's all the ways to get in touch with the site. Um, I am at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Sean. At Avatar of Loki. And Bob. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, guys. Um, that's it for episode 98 of the Talking Comics podcast. Damn. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a listener podcast um, for episode 99. And then, guys, it's episode 100, which should be 
a good time. Um, Sean Lamont, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And thank you for having me, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Um, And check out Sean's work. He does a really great job uh, on the site. So, for Steve... Malley. Oh, wait, sorry. Bob. Oh, play... come on. I oh, wanna, I forgot. I'm I want to play Phil Rizzuto I forgot. Here for I'm a sorry. second and talk about a couple of birthdays. I'm sorry, I right, forgot. I'll do it, I'll do it again. There Very you important. go. Uh, right. On September 15th, we have two of our the good friends of the show, Hugh hmm. yeah, who and Carrie? Sarah, Hugh? Yeah. are both celebrating a birthday. So in case no one listens to it till then, well, happy birthday. It's Huzzah. being the 11th. Yeah, happy birthday to them because they are great listeners and great. Uh, They're great people. They are. They really, really are. Um, so, rewind. Zip, 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 zip. <laughs> that is it for the Talking Comics podcast for Steve Mowage, Bob, Happy Trails, and Sean Ciao Bella. I have been Bobby. <laughs> Until next week on Talking Comics, to be continued. Mm-hmm.